could it be? If we didn't fall through the time doorway, then we must have fallen to the rocks below and died. But if we fell into the rocks, then we wouldn't be here. That is the puzzle. You must have experienced either one or other of the events. Yet, as you can see, neither event happened to you. The mist of the time doorway did not draw you into the vortex. The raft fell only part way down the falls. You seem to have fallen into space. But then how did we get here? As I said, you should not be here. Your presence here is disrupting the balance of the doorways. I must correct that imbalance, or I cannot go home. Look, Dad, there's a light. All right. We're going to have to be careful. The sleep sack can't get through the invisible barrier. Phones are on those horrible days. I gotta buy an extra pair of headphones to just keep them in the drawer upstairs. Because I've had those days where I come in and I plug in the headphones and some at some point during the night they've just stopped working. Or one of the uh, you know, one of the earpieces has just gone out. And then you gotta use somebody else's backup headphones. And it's amazing how much that throws you off. Now, how hard it is to do the show when you're using a pair of headphones that you're not used to. Like Michael Jordan using a different pair of shoes. That's exactly what it's like. Don't worry though. At least they can't get through the invisible door. Anywho, it's uh, 3 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this the month of February in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is uh, Friday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. Uh, here's our uh, telephone number today. It's 503 uh, What? Hello? <laughs> Four five seven five nine five two two. You said, said you started saying random numbers, so I was helping you. Okay. <laughs> Why? Hi, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three. I just had a total brain lock there. Five zero three. So like some sort I of. I still a... am totally off. There's something wrong with my headphones. That's right. That's gonna be a wonderful day already. I can sense. I can smell it in the air. It's five zero three. I can't remember the phone number. Your headphones aren't working. Tim, is your mouth functioning properly today? It will be until uh, about a week from yesterday. Excellent. Okay. So we're firing on one cylinder today. Wonderful. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You want you should be a part of the program today. 503-733-2970. You are squinting a little bit over there. I think one of my uh, my contacts is dirty. I'm going to fix it during the break. <laughs> okay. Fix it. So, Sarah's ears weren't working. My mouth isn't really operating correctly, and you can only see out of one eye. This is the best show ever. 
a, a collection of flawed senses. That is the that is the Rick Emerson show. Anyway, uh, if you'd like to uh, join us today, you can do it by dialing this number, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Your comments, your questions, clarifications, your conventions, your two cents. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the speculations about exactly how it is they make that slee stack noise. Hey, here comes Engineer Matt Green. I think she may have fixed it. Oh, I did. Oh, I, I think the Matt. situation may have been remedied. But thank you so much. That is Matt Johnny on the spot green right there. It sure is. He quit smoking. For, uh, it's been three weeks. Really? And he started working out on his Bowflex. We had a long chat today about it. He doesn't seem testy at all. Normally when people stop smoking, they become dicks. Oh, he said, no, he's on the patch. All right, excellent. Good for you. And for you Wire fans uh, in the house, uh, Matt Green is sort of the Lester Freeman of, the, uh, of CBS Radio Portland. Anyway. Oh, why, anyway, it is uh, Friday. If you'd like to uh, email, it is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Um, Tim at 970.am or Richie with a T at 970.am. It's another one of those days where the crazy is not confined to the studio, too, because I'm looking at the emails that are coming in just a few minutes to the show, and everybody's just a little off kilter today. That's fine. Um, it's all good because I have 55 seconds of Ted Kennedy singing in Spanish uh, that we'll get to here in just a while. Uh, Tim and I both, it's funny how Tim and I sort of come to the same conclusions, really just without comparing notes, and then we meet at the printer downstairs. So Tim will be working in his room, I'll be working in my office, and then we'll, we will rendezvous with the printer at around 10.40 every morning. And I'll say, do you have that thing of Ted Kennedy singing? And Tim says, oh, I have some of it. And I said, I have all 53 seconds of it. And it really is unbelievably bad. And i got to figure out exactly where he is. So you were speculating he might actually be in Massachusetts. That's what I was thinking. Oh, it's great. And he's sitting there. The, the best part, you can't really tell this on the audio, is he's sort of swinging his arm around, kind of exhorting the crowd to sing along with him, which they don't do, by the way. They just sort of sit there and watch the big, pasty white guy belt out some words in Spanish. Uh, we'll get to that. We got to see in a radio correspondent, Mark Shearer, uh, who will be joining us today. And I can't believe that I'm saying this, but because we're going to talk about Jennifer Lopez. Here's why that's happening, uh, incidentally. Because, as Sarah described it, every single person who would be talking about last night's Democratic debate is stuck in an airplane somewhere. They're all circling JFK. Is that the deal? Yeah, a couple of them are circling JFK. Uh, Lisa Desjardins just got on a plane from Texas. All right. So there really is nobody available to talk about the uh, talk about the debate. So we'll have somebody sort of uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But Mark Shearer is going to uh, join us to talk about Jennifer Lopez, about whom I don't care anymore. But I just realized this morning that it's been probably six months since we played the, the J Lo Watch theme, and that really is the sole reason for this. That's really the only reason we're going to do that. I actually took her off of the hotkeys because we don't it's even been so long. Yeah, we have these sort of uh, the computer system here. We have uh, you know the files that keep all of our various audio cuts, and then there's these things, hotkeys, which are basically like um, uh, it's sort of like a like a quick fire mechanism for the most frequently used sound effects or watch themes or whatever. And, yes, yeah, so we've actually taken her off the front panel because we never, ever have J-Lo news anymore, which is fine. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's time to revisit that. So we'll do that for a couple minutes later on. Uh, CNN radio correspondent James Roop uh, will join us from Los Angeles today uh, where he's uh, previewing the Oscars. And then I guess, what's his name? Uh, Sam Lufty's been told to get bent and to stay away from Britney Spears. Uh, let's see. what a, The fact that she's still constantly showing her vagina, even the presence of her father, though, that doesn't bode well for her future, but it does bode well for us. So I'm guessing we're less than two or three weeks away from some other dramatic 
horrifying incident. Uh, what else? Peter Carlin from the Oregonian will be joining us today. He'll be uh, in the studio with us later on in the day's program. Aaron Geek of the city Duran will join us. Um, I think there's a better than even chance that we're going to talk to Don Horn, uh, who is the, I do believe, writer and director of Nancy and Tanya, a rock musical, uh, which uh, debuts tonight at the World Trade Center just down the street from where we are, actually. So, uh, it was last night. Was it last night? Yeah, last night was opening night and Tanya was there. <sighs> All right. Well, see, and Richie is on the, he's on the trail of trying to get Tanya in to, to pimp the thing. Um, I don't know that's going to happen, but I think today we are going to be talking to, uh, talking to Don Horn, who... I don't know. Maybe he just takes a shine to, uh, you know, to like PAs in general. But apparently he, apparently he and Richie have had many, many exciting phone conversations. Uh, that's coming up later on. What else? Uh, we have the glorious bastard of the week. We'll be announcing that and uh, a whole bunch of other crap. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. A uh, police officer is killed while escorting Hillary in Dallas. The Secret Service orders the Dallas police to stop screening the crowd for weapons at a Barack Obama rally. Uh, history tells us Dallas has not been kind to Democratic politicians in the past. <laughs> you know you're a nutland now, Mr. President. Uh, Ted Kennedy sings in Spanish. An Oregon man tries to cross a closed bridge. <laughs> and an Elmo doll threatens to kill a Florida boy. Jesus. Oh. It's the best day ever. Wow. So I haven't even read that whole story about the Obama thing. It's just one of the, you just sort of, I, and I didn't hear the thing about that guy who was the, the working with, the, the, was it a Secret Service guy? No, it was uh, someone uh, Dallas police. It was a motorcycle woman. There's something wrong with Dallas, don't you think? Oh, yeah. There's something really unhinged about that city. You That's... can't say Dallas doesn't love you, Mr. President. <laughs> That's a place I can live my whole life without visiting. Uh, I guess it's not quite as bad as Houston, but at the same time, I do. I, I, I'm to understand that's a pretty relative statement. I guess Houston is just one big, bad, sprawling strip mall hell. But uh, Dallas doesn't seem a whole lot better. I'm going to try to avoid that. Uh, let's see. It's just, as, just as a brief side note, I, here's a couple of questions I was going to ask Lisa Desjardins today. We're apparently not going to be graced uh, by her presence, but I was going to ask her the following things. A, did I already mention how big Donna Brazil's shoulder pads are? Yes, I mean, they're massive. Mm-hmm. They're like a hundred feet across. It's unbelievable. Um, I was also going to ask this, uh, like when uh, when Barack won um, Hawaii and uh, and what's it the other night, um, and they said that thing about how Hillary had given him sort of a congratulatory phone call, like she had, uh, you know, she she'd called him and given him her her best wish, her warm wishes or whatever approximates warm wishes in the mind of Hillary Clinton. Do you wonder like what those sound like? I just just once in my life, I would like to hear one of those concession phone calls that is made by the person who has just been reamed to the person who has just done said reaming. I can't even imagine, as, as brittily polite and as just as as icy evil as as Hillary is most of the time. I can't imagine what she sounds like on the phone with a guy who has just handed her her head for the eleventh time. I mean, I can't even imagine what the, that phone call sounds like. So I'm going to file that away, and we'll talk to uh, Lisa about that the next time she uh, joins us on the radio program. Uh, joining us at this moment, the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan Y. Hello, how are you? It's a lot better now that my headphones are working. Looking very vibrant today. I am. Yeah, you're. Uh, you got like you're wearing like a like a bright pink thing. I mean, I like it. It's just very. It, it looks it very happy. Well, this is like an undershirt. See, I'm wearing an ensemble today, so this is supposed to be underneath the are jacket. Are you dressed I was in wearing. layers? Yeah. Okay. But it was too warm to wear the jacket. All right then. Oh, I think I'm still just reeling from lost yesterday. It was the greatest thing ever. I wish we could bond about this. I wish we could too. I feel like our relationship is is poor. Would you like somebody with whom to bond? 
I know Peter Carlin's going to be in, right? If you watched Lost last night, please now call. It's 503-733-2970. We're going to do an insta-bonding session about Lost. I didn't watch it. This is like one of those relationships where there are needs that the husband just can't meet, Sarah. <laughs> well, um, Lost is so frustrating because it's so slow. Like, there's so much content in it because they take the time to build all of these characters. Like, basically, ep- every episode is, well, now it's like a flash forward and a flash back. Um, so the flash forwarding is going on still. That's not a thing they did one time. Yeah, the flash forwarding is now, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, so if you haven't seen this season. If you haven't seen it last night or whatever, just quit listening for a while. Okay, so they're flashing forward to when they're rescued and they're off the island. We shouldn't so, have gotten off the island. That's all I saw. Totally, but now it's like narrowing it down because there are only six people that survived. And you found out last night that only eight eight were rescued from the island. Now only six survived. But, you know, you know from the crash that there were like, 40, like 48 people right. who were living on the island. So it's like, what happened to all the rest of the people? And they're going through these trials, and they're these huge celebrities and stuff, and the flash forwards. It's really neat. All right, so we're going uh, we'll to... So, we'll take a phone call here or two in a moment from somebody who saw Lost last night. Because I feel like I am failing you on this front. And I feel like I'm failing the audience, too. Because I know it's the must-see television for a lot of people, and then I'm just at home watching Battlestar Galactica again. So, um... Anyway, I uh, so we'll get some of those here in, in just a moment. I will have somebody sort of pinch hit there. Let me ask you this. My question about Lost is, and I'm not saying this is the case, but I sometimes feel like just from hearing the descriptions or people recounting what happened on Lost. Now, see, we're totally we're going to be like Don and Mike talking about American Idol for nine hours every day. Um, but I sometimes get the get the sense that maybe Lost episodes are. Sort of like 48 minutes of filler kind of put there just so they can get to the snap ending that Man, like blows your mind. that ending last night, I was over at my friend's house who has a kid, and you know, well, actually two kids, and they were in their rooms asleep, you know, and I screamed at the end of the screen, but yelled, right. I'm like, oh my God, holy whatever, and it was nuts. But I mean, are the episodes like that where it's, you know, oh, Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time. See, where Lost it's... is good because it kind of co- it like coaxes you along the episode. It's like, oh, look how gently we're just showing you back and forth. And then, bam, at the end, it's like, oh, and you forgot that, you know, almost everybody's dead and this is what happened. Uh-huh. And it's just nuts. It was right. so cool. Let's uh, get a few of these phone calls about Lost so we can be relatable uh, with the, the people. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, my gosh. She stole Aaron. I know. Well, I think that Claire dies. Well, obviously, man, this is just... Tweaking me out because the whole time it's like there's only what eight of them, six of them, I guess, and it's like, where are they going? How are they dying? And then all of a sudden that, that the baby is one of the six. Isn't there like one left now? Yeah, because I had heard that that the baby was going to be one of them, and like I, yeah, I don't know that something happened to Claire. So now it's so the six so far are it's Aaron, Saeed, Hurley, Jack, and Kate, right? And there's still one more person because yeah, one more, one more, yeah, one more to be let let loose, and and who knows? It's just. At least Walt's not there. But I it, hate <laughs> Did you see that coming? I did not see that coming at all. Because I thought that her and Sawyer like had. Um, well, it's nice to see that out. she's still, you know, slutting around and using people relentlessly. So I, I love that part. Well, maybe, but maybe she was noble and like something like Claire had to sacrifice herself for the good of the child, and they had to. I mean, who knows what happened? It's no, I'm really, that. honestly, can I just say this? You guys sound like two cheerleaders sitting in the, in the lunch hall, you know, talking about, you know, who's dating. The oh my gosh! And then there's this other girl. Seriously. I think she's so cute. Look, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I sat and nerded out about Battlestar for like an hour with Aaron on Monday. So. Yeah, we, we, we remember that. Thank you for calling. Uh, me <laughs> thank you. Bye. A couple more here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Oh, and then I got a TV thing to say. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up? Um, you know, hey, Kent, or, um, Sarah, I think I know who the uh, other survivor is. I'm pretty sure. Who do you the think one it? that uh, gets back, at least. Who do you think it is? You go to the season three finale, uh, and Jack goes to that funeral. Pretty much the only person it could be is Sawyer. 
But the but the the coffin looked too small. The coffin what? was like a, a pretty small. I, I couldn't figure out who it was and how it's like he wasn't a friend or you know. Maybe he like, suffered from a wasting disease of some kind. Aaron. Like late, maybe that was a super flash forward. <laughs> yeah, super. One. I know because you can't tell when it is. Because like with Jack, with all, all freaking out with the beard, it's like is that super in the future? Is that after he was like little like robot boy for yeah. you know oceanic air, or is it before and then he becomes like the creepy you know robot guy testifying? So weird. I don't understand. Here's okay. the thing. If I can interrupt, sir. Here's the thing. I, actually, now that I I think I've spoken too soon because I'm kind of glad I'm not watching the show. Because here's the thing. We are covering all bases of the audience here. Everyone is represented. Sarah, who's really into it, the audience is calling up speculating. And then I'm sitting over here kind of clueless because I don't understand a goddamn thing you're talking about. And so I, so here I am now the proxy for the audience members who are not watching Lost. Because I'm just sitting here sort of being befuddled by this entire conversation. Yeah, it yeah. could be Aaron because Jack was not, you could see because, you know, the relationship between her, him and Kate kind of soured because he's like, she's like, I'm, you know, no, I can't be your friend until you're ready to deal with this part of my life. Yeah. So since he wasn't a friend of his and he wasn't, you know, anyway associated, maybe it could be Aaron. Thank well, you, sir. Yeah. Jack loves her, but he can't get over the fact <laughs> it's, uh, wow. that she, oh, wait. Maybe she had Sawyer's kids because he talked about pregnancy with her with Kate too. Uh, yeah, and didn't it uh, seem like last night when uh, her and so you know when her and Sawyer were in bed and she's just like, no, it's all right, I wasn't pregnant, but it looked like she was pregnant because it looked right. like she was thinking about it. All right, thank you, sir. Appreciate. It. We'll do two more quick calls. Then oh, you yeah, need to do something else. That's okay. Ah, you're on the Rick. No, no, no. I did. You know what? Lost I, is a big show. Lost. You know, Lost is very popular. Lots of people watch it. I'm not one of them. Uh, this is this is real. This is this is a sacrifice I will make for everyone. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson. Show. Yes, hi. I'm sorry, I missed some of what you were talking about a few moments ago. But the end of that wasn't um, right, the baby, the baby named Aaron. Yeah, that's Claire's baby. That's what. Yeah, that's what it seemed to be because it, it seemed really poignant that she was like. So oh, Kate didn't have a baby. Kate doesn't have a baby. She got. It looks like she got Claire's baby somehow, which means Claire's either dead or Kate. St- you know, right. Or Kate stole him. Okay, well, that, okay, there's, man, there's way too much going on on that show to even really have a good conversation about it. I know, it's it's frustrating, too, because, like, they'll just focus on one person. It's like it's this great story, but, um, you know, like, that whole episode yesterday is about Kate. And then I'm watching it, and I'm watching the minutes tick away. I'm like, crap, they're only, you know, three Oh, no, no, no. see, now I can weigh in on this. No, 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 I can totally weigh in on this, because this is what happened uh, on The Wire uh, with the last couple of weeks. Where there's two things with The Wire going on. Uh, one is... That, A, they've only got two episodes left in the whole series. There are two episodes left before the whole goddamn thing is done. I my clock next to the TV, too, and I keep yeah. thinking up the clock. I'm like, no, and, and like, go slower. And, like, Fat Boy and I are talking about, we're like, how are they going to wrap it up? There's too many storylines. And there is this one guy, There's a, I won't spoil anything, but there's a guy named Omar. On oh, hey, the, hey, I, I, I'm sorry. i got to run. Just one thing right. about Lost is yeah. very appropriately named. Because I'm lost watching it. Thank Absolutely. You. There's this guy in the. Thank you, sir. There's this guy in the wire named Omar, and he's the most fascinating character on the show. I mean, he's unbelievably. I mean, he's he's interesting. He's funny. He's scary. He's compelling. I mean, he's the. I don't want to call him the Darth Vader, but he's he's the focal point. He's the guy that everybody latches onto, and every and he there's a huge story arc involving him. And the rest of the show is great and well-written, but it's like every single time that the camera is on somebody else or they're following another story arc, your eyes are flicking from the screen to the clock, back to the screen, back to the clock. Uh-huh. One, okay, you got nine minutes left. Of th- I want to see more Omar because you want to know what's going on with that guy. And you know that they're just effing with you. You know that they will cut away and 
I know you're interested in Omar, but now we're going to follow the plight of a housewife for 14 minutes. That's, just like, come on! I, know, I can't understand. Like, how are they going to wrap up all these storylines? I still don't know where the goddamn foot is from. Like, the statue? The yeah, giant yeah. four-toed statue. It's like, okay, great. So now they're like polar bears, and there's a giant four-toed statue. Now Kate's humping Sawyer. It's like, what? how are you going to do this? Uh, all right. J.K. Uh, Abrams. Well, let's, just, let's do a couple a couple more here, and then we'll and then we'll move on. Now, this is, as, as much as I don't watch this show, uh, this is sort of, it, it is interesting to do this because... You sort of see the temperature of the of the television viewing public. I mean, it is an event program for most people. And I know it's not for me, but it, you know what it is? You know, can I just tell you this? It's like that one horrible day that we talked about American Idol, uh, where every there was only two schools on that. All of the callers either were furious at us for talking about American Idol and were threatening them to never listen again, or they were calling up nerding out about it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so Lost, I would say, maybe I'm wrong about this, I would say that Lost is right now the only program on television uh, other than American Idol, that has this kind of mass appeal to it. I will. I have canceled plans. I, I never do this. You know that I'm very social. You've I like structured to go your social life around a television I, show. I, that's exactly what Welcome I do. I will world. sit at home from nine to ten. Oh, yeah. Every Thursday. Oh. For the rest of my life, if they keep cranking out episodes, I will sit at home every. Oh day. no, that's that's my thing. It's like come Sunday night. It's like I don't answer the phone. I don't check my email. People knock at the I door. I turned like, my cell phone off. Oh, that's it. I'm not going to yeah. be interrupted. F that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, so Sarah, pleased to be explaining why you think everyone on the island is dead now that the six are back. Okay, because at one point they were um, they were talking about the people who were rescued, but they're called the Oceanic Six because they said eight people were rescued from the island. All the rest of them died on impact, except for um, Jack, Kate, and then the other people that you don't really know. Because when Jack testified for Kate at her trial yesterday, he was saying, you know, Kate was the one who was responsible for taking care of the eight of us who survived the crash. And, you know, although only six of us are remaining, she was the true hero for it. So they uh, formulated this whole story about it. Why don't you think that's just a cover story? When, oh. when, J- when Jack goes to visit Hurley, he makes a point of saying, hey, you didn't tell him anything, right, when they're shooting baskets? I think it's just a cover story. Oh, it's so just, so it's they, just smoke. So you think Hurley might have been, not been one of the Oceanic Six, but he might just be back there um, pretending that he was never on the plane? No, I think Hurley is one of the Oceanic Six, but I think there's still people on the island. Let me ask you this right now. Let me just interject for a second. Now, and I, I'm not trying to be cynical when I say this. Now, do you think that they have answers to all this stuff? Or are, is, do you think that these conversations are happening in a room somewhere between the writers? And they're sitting there going, but we can't do that. that. No, no, no. I'm not trying to be jerky. I'm just, I'm wondering, like, in your heart of hearts. No, no, if I knew that they didn't, that they're like, oh, and let's throw a random polar bear. So you want to believe that that they they have a thread going through all of this. I I believe that they've even said somewhere that they have a definite end that they're getting to. Right. But I absolutely believe that they know what they're doing. And and, and that they're just good enough to push it up. Can I just make a prediction right now? And I'm going to say you know it's true. They're going to wrap up the television series, but then they're going to bilk money out of you with theatrical releases. You know that a lost motion picture is coming. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. You know that they'll wrap up the television. They might do it before the show's even done. They might uh, actually end, like, season six or whatever. Bam, you have to go to the theater to see the bridge between you know season six Abrams and season... would do that. Yeah, totally. And you know what it is? He's totally making it right now. And the theatrical release will be the bridge between season six and season seven. And you'll have to do it. That's the yeah. thing. That's what I would do. Why did you people watching my program? I completely do that. That's just smacks of the uh, X Files movie. Exactly what, it's exactly what the X Files. Fight the future, sir. All right, we got to uh, let's do uh, just. Uh, we really, honestly, have to go here in just a few. But hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hey, best show ever. Thank you. Uh, first of all, uh, all, everything that Jack testified for in the trial was all smoke. He said, uh, Kate just commented to him later on in the episode. I, I heard that story so many times. I'm actually starting to believe it. 
Uh, so you that, didn't know if he was referring to, if that was referring to the eight people or the fact that he was saying how she was the savior and nursed them all back to health and you know was was the real hero. I didn't think that it had pertained to the amount of people. I assume it has to do do with uh, with the whole a uh, Jack Holt thing. So uh, the, the second thing is that uh, we we know all five living Oceanic Six. The last Oceanic Six is now dead. The person uh, in the box? In the coffin, yeah. We saw that in the, the end of the last Who do you, who do you think is in there? Uh, you know, I think... Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's probably uh, Ben. But uh, that's just my guess. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a great website that does recaps pointing out all the other... Uh, all the stuff that you may have missed. It's darkufo.com slash lost. And they do screen caps and all sorts of stuff. Cool. And uh, the most important tidbit of information that came out last night on Lost was when... Uh, Oh, <laughs> ass. All right, that's it. We're going to go out on that okay, one. Okay, yeah. All right, it's 503-733. Thank you for letting me dork out. I feel a lot better. No, 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 no it's fine. And, and I know a lot of people watch it, and I feel bad that these are needs I can't meet. So uh, so this is a, this is a good time for you to interface with the Yeah, the phone lines look crazy. That's, you know, I'm, I'm no fool. I know what people watch. So it just, I mean, I'm not watching it, but I know people do. Uh, which Richie's is why. just starting to become obsessed with that. I, I promised him I was going to bring him season one today, and he was so upset. You know what? It's the same reason that, uh, that Tim pulls those American Idol soundbites, even though we don't watch the show, because I know there are people out there who watch mm-hmm. it or who watch part of it or who, you know, may have missed it, so we got that. Uh, speaking of which, so I just finished Battlestar Galactica. I, uh, this weekend, I'm going to watch Razor, which is this sort of. Razor is sort of the home, the TV version of what I think they're going to do with Lost. It was a movie that bridged seasons two and three. So I got to watch that, and then I'm completely and totally caught up. And then you should just go to CD Game Exchange and buy Lost. Well, here's the thing, though. I, 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 here's the thing. Before I can even get to Lost, so Dave Zinn upstairs knows that I'm finishing Battlestar Galactica. So he walked into my office this morning. Are you taking your headphones off? You Are you about to be angry? You were going to do it. You next. promised me. <laughs> I don't, but I'm going to have to go buy it. Do you have it that I can borrow it? I'm like, well, I have to let Richie borrow it first. Buying it is a strong step if I'm not sure that I'm going to like it. I bought it at CD Game Exchange for $20. Really? But you think I, it'll be available? Because it's pretty, I mean, you know, a lot yeah, of people... Yeah, uh, well, I didn't... There's a lot it. of people trying to catch catch up the same way that I am, though. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking I might have to rent that. I don't know if I want to throw down money for something that I, I'm sort of... I'm not... I'm just saying I'm a little unsure about it, because I had drifted away from the show at one point, because it, it felt a little... Anyway, but my point is this, is that, so... Dave Zinn knows I just finished Battlestar, and he it, and he knows that I was about to do this whole thing of what television show should I watch next. So he preemptively just cut his way to the front of the line. He walked into my office this morning and put Dexter the entire first season down on my desk. And oh, he, oh, I want. How about I take that? No, from see, you that's and I'll what I'm saying. Oh, see, su- see, suddenly you're in favor of Dexter. So, and you know the great thing about Dexter is it's a 12 episode season, so I can watch the whole thing in like a few days probably. I mean, I mean, my, you know, then Lars uh, working most of the weekend, and I'm, you know, clearly like not back at 100. percent I'm gonna ask Dave Zinn if I can, if I can borrow that after you. Yeah. So it's only 12 episodes. So he he came and plunked down the entire first season of Dexter uh, in my office. So I'm gonna try. And, and see, and that's good because then I don't have to watch it. My only other alternative is to watch it all chopped up on CBS, mm. where they're gonna take out all the violence, and that's no good. Uh, that's like when people um, watch Sex in the City, and they're like, "Oh, I've seen Sex in the City on CBS." I'm like, "You yeah, haven't totally. seen Sex in the, the City." Sopranos. I saw The Sopranos yeah. on A and E. Just not the same thing. Uh, all right, so I'm going to watch uh, Dexter uh, probably this weekend. Uh, our friend Sarah Wagner wants to come in at some point. And, you know, the funny thing about this scale, we b- I bought in yesterday this scale that uh, tells your body fat percentage. 
Everybody I talked to yesterday afternoon, they all want to stand on the scale. Every It's become one of those things that people don't want to do, but they feel compelled to do. That's all I heard about yesterday mm-hmm. afternoon was people who want to come in and weigh themselves. And I, I made the same deal with them that I made. It's like everybody here. You can use the scale, uh, but you have to. You don't have to tell us your weight or anything. But well, we can ha- look at it. Though. Yeah. But you have to reveal on the air the category that your body fat falls but into. We're allowed to. I mean, by them coming in, we're allowed to see how much. Oh they no, weigh, we right? know that's the other thing. Yeah, if you come in the uh, if you come There's in the no studio, wait. No, if you come in the studio to use the scale, yeah, we get to see all the numbers and we get to announce the category that your body fat is in, whether it's underweight, normal, overweight, or very overweight. So. Which one were you in again? I was very overweight, Sarah. Thank you so much for reminding me. About to give me a paper cut and put lemon w- juice in it. <laughs> I was riding my bike home, uh-huh. and do you ever need you to shut up? No, I actually, I actually was not. That, that was completely unintentional. Um, no, but I was, I was riding to, my bike to Goodwill where I donated money to the retarded. I actually did go to Goodwill after, but uh-huh. okay. Um, I was riding my bike, and it's funny when you meet people or you see your friends and you don't realize they listen to the show. And uh, my friend Lloyd was walking his dog. I'm like, oh hey, Lloyd's like, hey, how about that Rick Emerson being, you know, morbidly obese? Yeah. <laughs> Great, that's wonderful. That's it is fantastic. That's fantastic. That's well. Um, well, we might as well. Uh, Richie, are these also lost calls? Because we've got a couple minutes where we have to go. And if we can, um, uh, this way the folks won't have to hang on through uh, through Mark Shearer and his talk about the J-Lo reproducing. And I can't believe how preemptively I don't care about that story. I know. It's just so I can play the J-Lo watch. And plus, we haven't talked to Mark Shearer in a long time. And I really want to be talking about uh, the debate last night, but there's no one... Maybe we'll do the same thing. Maybe maybe we'll come back, we'll talk to Mark Shearing, and then I'll have somebody step in and, and be Lisa for a day. Um, should I just take... Well, let's see who these... Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, I tried to uh, give you a call yesterday, but I had a dentist appointment. I had to hang up, so Yo. sorry about that. What's up? Um, hey, yeah, about the scale, two things. Uh, the only accurate measure of your body fat content is yeah. a volume displacement test. Is that where I sit in a bathtub and the guy goes, God, you're huge? Yeah, yeah. Now, the thing about the body mass index, too, is that uh, according to the BMI, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a big fat Now, see, I had every... That's not true. Here's so. the thing. I had everybody in the building tell me that the body mass index, not the body fat percentage, but the body mass index is, is like crap. Everyone told me that... To, Sort of yeah, disregard that. Yeah, was like pretty. Well, you know the other about it. Here's the other thing I found out. I found out that they adjusted the BMI recently for America. Like America has a different. It's not an internationally used index, apparently, as it claims. Apparently, America has a different BMI scale than the rest of the world because we're just big fat asses. So they've <laughs> changed it for us. So even if the BMI says you're normal in America, you're really not uh, because we're just so much fatter than the rest of the planet. And my uh, my last question for Sarah was, uh, you know, you got that book, uh, Lost Philosophy. Is there anything in that book that opened your eyes to stuff or that uh, was very interesting that you think is relevant to talk about? Oh, absolutely. I, I have not all the way done with it. I've, I've only read, on, honestly, I've been kind of running around all week, like the first 40 or 50 pages. But it has a really good analysis on what they think uh, they believe the characters represent. Like, for example... Uh, John Locke, it, there was this whole essay about how he might uh, represent utilitarianism. Where he's Is his always name looking... really John Locke? Uh-huh. Well, that's pretty obvious. Okay. Yeah, and so it's uh, like a lot of these people, they, they uh, a lot of the essays think that the people each represent different philosophies and different, you know, bring different philosophies to the island. It's it's just really interesting. Ugh. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. Uh, we and I'm not, a lo- I'm not a... A uh, professional lost person by any means. I don't really know. No, what but you don't know about. way more about it than most people probably because you sort of because of things like this because you take time to seek out uh, you know information and to see spoilers and to do you do all the online viral stuff. So it's nothing to be ashamed like of. No, you know, please, do you realize? <laughs> really, do you, do you understand the building that you work in? You are so unbelievably not a loser compared to the rest of us. I mean, come on, really. 
Jesus. I just like that I'm so excited about a show. Like, it, it takes a it's, lot to get me. Feel, you know what? There's nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. I the, the television, I have to uh, see now that I said we're going to leave. Um, and that's probably Mark Shearing. Here's the thing. We are really in a golden age of television right now. People don't really appreciate that. Doesn't it just make you excited? It makes me so excited. And it's not, you know, people point to The Sopranos as being the beginning of that, and I don't know if it was or not, but, I mean, there's a lot of really, really good television out right now. There is stuff like, there was The Sopranos, there's The Wire, there's Lost, uh, there is Mad Men, which is great. There, uh, I mean, we came off of things like The West Wing and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Dexter is supposed to be just Dexter phenomenal. Dexter is apparently really, really good. Um, I mean, you know, stuff like Battlestar Galactica, which takes, you know, which is a remake of a show that was really terrible. People don't like to admit that, but the original Battlestar Galactica was awful. Uh, but the new Battlestar has just completely reinvented the television sci-fi genre. I mean, we really, it is a good time to be a television watcher. Television, I have always felt that TV gets a bum rap, uh, but especially now, uh, because it is really, really right now, uh, you don't have to go to the cinema to see things that are really the, the fantastic pieces of visual art. I mean, television is is replete with things that are well done. Uh, all right, so let's uh, briefly break here. Come back, Mark Shearer around the corner uh, with uh, this uh, J-Lo news. Then uh, we will uh, plunge on headward towards the noon hour. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't... Hey. You know on my advice. Why, all right then. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. So it's a whole essay comparing Lost and Land of the Lost. That let, oh my gosh. Please tell me this. It's just making my head hurt. Is it that Land of the Lost is a prequel to Lost? Yes. That is so cool. And it's it's making comparisons between the two and the origins of the two said places. All right, can you give me uh, one, uh, can you give me a comparison? Um, no, probably not. It's, it's pretty wordy and you probably right. have to know the show a little bit. I'll, yeah. I'm going to forward it to you, though. That's fantastic. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to the uh, Rick Emerson radio program from, I do believe, uh, New York City, CNN radio correspondent Mark Shearer. Hello there. Hey, guys. How are you? How are you, brother? Well, it's cold and snowy here in New York. Is that true? I thought you guys had, I thought you guys had, had kind of a warm snap there, or is that, uh, is that just uh, liberal media propaganda? Uh, well, that's over. We've been hit with uh, seven, about six, seven inches of snow, and... Uh, Kind of a dreary day here. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Be sure you don't suffer from seasonal affected disorder. No. In fact, the only thing that's keeping me going is the, the sheer joy of, of the news last night from a, an undisclosed <laughs> Long Island hospital uh-huh. about J-Lo. Uh, oh, wait. By the way, Sarah, should we make this a J-Lo watch? We could. All right, hold on. We're going to do a, we Let me just a little bit of backstory here, Mark Shearer. So we used to back, boy, it just seems like an eternity ago that I even cared about Jennifer Lopez. And really, when you look back on the fact that we spent a lot of time talking about Jennifer Lopez, it is sort of like looking at that girl that you dated when you were about 19. And you're just like, I don't like what? Why did I do that? Uh, you just don't understand. You look back and there's just nothing remotely uh, resembling a reason to recommend dating her. So it is with the fact that we seem to cover Jennifer Lopez all the time. But but we're going to take a little flashback here. We will open and close this segment with our J-Lo watch theme. Sarah, if you want to uh, roll that. Now, this is how far back uh, this is how far back into my mental storage the Jennifer Lopez file has gone. So who is she with or married to or dating or She's married to Mark Anthony. Still? I thought she dumped that guy. I thought he I, or I thought maybe he dumped her for somebody else. This is how little I care. All right, so she had what twins or something or babies or children? She had 
two, not one, but two babies, a girl and a boy. Um, the girl was five pounds, seven ounces, and I'm, we're looking into a rumor that a good four to four and a half pounds of that is, uh, you know, butt fat. But <laughs> I'll get back to you. I have to tell you, I really didn't expect that phrase to be uttered at any point in this week's programming. God bless you, Mark. That's uh, that's wonderful. I sometimes forget what a rye uh, sort of... Uh, well, that's me. You have sort of a quicksilver sense about you that uh, does result in the occasional surprising phrase coming out of your mouth. All right. Well, there you go. So is this going to be one of those things where uh, she's going to you know, like pictures of the glowing mother are going to be plastered all over uh, all over every tabloid. And so every time I go to buy something at the 7-Eleven across the street, I'm going to have to see Jennifer Lopez's face. I think you can count on that. Well, that's wonderful. Excellent. What else is going on in the big city? Anything exciting? Big plans for your weekend, Mark? Uh, yeah. Um, the couch uh, <laughs> is beckoning. Let me ask you this. Do you watch Lost? You know, I heard you guys talking about that. I'm 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 lost on that. I, I'm just I'm out of it. Sorry. All right. Let me ask you this: Do you watch The Wire? That, that's the that's the next appointment show. Uh, see, um, you know, here's the thing. Can I just tell you this? Let me just let me make a little observation about American popular culture as we uh, you know the plunge on into the 21st century. Here, I think one of the great lies of the 21st century, the lies of the 20th century, where you know the check is in the mail. Oh, baby, I'll still respect you. You know, whatever. It felt good just to hold you. Don't worry about it. These are all things that people said in the 20th century that they didn't really mean. Things that people say in the 21st century, technology has now given you the chance to endlessly postpone doing things that your friends have been nagging you to do. And you can always do it by saying, no, 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 that's on, that's on, the, no, it's on my Netflix queue. That's the big lie that people will give you if you are trying to get them to watch a movie or a television show that they clearly are not interested in. Hey, you got to watch... Uh, you got to watch uh, Chico and the Man, Season 2. Yeah, it's on my Netflix queue. I'm going to get to that. It's not in any kind of queue. They're never going to watch it. It's not going to be anything that ever comes into their house. I know, but I know I should watch The Wire. I know it. You really ought to. It's the best It's the best show on television. I know it. All right. Uh, well, enjoy your weekend, my friend. Enjoy the couch. Try to get a good sort of ass groove getting uh, you know going on on the couch there. There's another one of those phrases. All right, there you go. Thank you, sir. There's Mark Shearer. Let's uh, close out our J-Lo watch and then never have another one ever again. There's your... J-Lo watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Do you know there's a beanbag toss game called Cornhole? No. All right. Uh, Wait, where? I get this email from my guy. We don't, we don't have time to get into it now, but the subject line of this email is, Rick, is there something wrong with me? Rick, is my mind in the gutter or am I dealing with a world of naive people or both? I was at a party last weekend and the host told me there was a game of, quote, cornhole going on in the basement and asked if I wanted to go down and play. My first thought, Rick, was, of course, that cornhole was not a game I wanted to play. But I went down to the basement anyway to see other people doing it. Turns out he was referring to a poorly named beanbag toss game. The host was foreign-born, so I thought perhaps he misunderstood the name. I figured that if I suggested he go to Wiki, um, I figured if I suggested he go to Wikipedia to look up details of the game, he'd find that the term cornhole was not what he should call the game. Well, Wikipedia says that the game cornhole is in fact a beanbag toss game with a bunch of poor names. The game, the, the game is also known as Bago, or in certain parts of the country, Saxon holes. <laughs>
Go to cornhole in Wikipedia and check out popular cornhole terms. By the way, there is also an American Cornhole Association. Thought you'd like to know. Are you uh, part of the American Cornhole Association? Right? I'd like to be. Let's uh, welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show our good friend Sarah Wagner from Sales Upstairs. Hello. Shouldn't you be out selling something? No. All right. <laughs> and uh, that is that. <laughs> and we're done. That's boring. Okay, so you are one of the many people who approached me upstairs yesterday after the show in which I got this. Well, let me just pick it up here. So I got the butt fat measure. For, it doesn't measure. It's not just butt fat. Oh. The scale is for all over fat. Okay, um, it's, all, it's all body fat. So for Valentine's Day, because she loves me, my wife got me this uh, scale that measures, it gives your weight, it gives your body fat percentage, and then it gives your uh, your body mass index or whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. Now, we've learned that the body mass index is largely crap, so you can you know, kind of ignore that. Um, okay. But it does tell your percentage of body fat. And yeah. so every everywhere I went upstairs, people were like, i got to come down and try that fat way and thing. The fatometer. But the, the fatometer. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, the lar, the lardometer. So, but I told everybody that you have to do it on the air. You can, it's, not, it's not like you can just go into my office and you know use it when you I'm not around. You have to. Kind of you. There's got to be no privacy. No, no, no. This is going to be a thing for public declaration. So, are you Sarah Wagner ready to uh, ready to weigh yourself? Yes. Now here's the thing. Sarah and I get to see all the numbers. That's fine. I don't okay. care. And then, you have, are you wearing tights? Because you have to be barefoot. Oh, I'm wearing tights. No. Sorry, those, are, those are going to have to come off. I think. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, don't word it like that. I know, right? They're going to have to come off. You must do it. Let me get Laura. Have to do it on the air. Let me get Laura Klein in here first. Um, well, I think. I mean, uh, I don't really know. I mean, do they? What? Here's a dumb question. How are they? They're not. I mean, they're thin, right? I mean, tights are. Yeah, but it wouldn't be a problem. To, uh, uh, do you need to excuse yourself? I will need to excuse myself. I'm not. I will not do that on the air. So. Did you get Richie to come and hold up a sheet? No, thank <laughs> All right. you. Okay. God, that just gave me the shivers. Are you gonna? Are you? Are you gonna come back? Yeah, I'm gonna come back. Give me. It'll take me two seconds. All right. I'll tell you what. Two shakes of a lamb. So we'll get these calls about cornhole. Uh, okay. And then we'll come back and we'll weigh you. Cornhole, Amelia. Okay. I was weird. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hey. Um. About cornhole. Yeah. My son goes to Lewis and Clark College. Uh huh. It's a game they play there. It's a beanbag toss thing. And when my son told me, I go, you, do you know what that means? So the kids at Lewis and Clark love to play cornhole. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Do they Do they also love to play sacks and holes or perhaps bago? He didn't share that with me. All right, hold on. i got to go to the, uh, is he a member of the, is he a member of the, uh, the American Cornhole Association? You know, I'll have to check. Okay, hold on. Let's. Just stay right here for a second. I'm going to, uh, I have a couple seconds to kill while uh, Sarah takes off her stockings. Cornhole. What an odd job we have. Uh, let's see here. Cornhole. Cornhole. I'm, feeling, I'm feeling relieved that it came up and that it wasn't just here we go. my son at Susan Clark. Cornhole, bago, or sacks and holes is a game. I'm going to start calling it sacks and holes. Is a game in which players take turns pitching small bags filled with corn at a raised platform with a hole at the far end. So it's like uh, it's like horseshoes, but instead of a horseshoe around a ring, it is a bag through a hole. Everyone's Sarah? laughing and riding and cornholing except Buster. Wow. There you go. By the way, let's see here. We've got, and, and of course, Wikipedia has the following subsections to the articles. Cornhole in Cincinnati, cornhole in San Diego, cornhole in North Carolina, cornhole in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, popular cornhole terms. Cornholing leagues, world championship of cornhole. Add Lewis and Clark to the list. Wow. Uh, all right, thank you. Yeah. There you go. I love the internet. All right, Sarah, are you ready? Yes. All right. Sarah, do you want to? Uh, Sarah Dillon, do you want to guess at Sarah's weight? 
No. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know. Maybe you weren't listening very closely, and I could sucker you into that. Did you wipe that down at all? Uh, yeah, we did, actually, with Purell, right. like Lysol wipes. Sarah, can I look dirty? No. Do we look filthy? Sarah can tell you oh, my feet are... My, no. my feet are clean. Sarah can tell you my feet were uh, were clean. They but were. I, I was surprised. Did you think my feet were going to be like I was going to like Fred Flintstone? Because you know somebody for years and you never really see their feet. Ooh, no. And can I? Feet. No. Can I just tell you this too? Am I the only one? I mean, it, it, look, I don't mean to be lookist, um, but ugly feet are disproportionately ugly. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I dated a guy once with ugly feet and I couldn't really get over it. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it's, no, it's, it's bad. Like, it, 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 I mean, it they can, never go away. It's not like it's a deal breaker as such, but I mean. Uh, I don't know. It's like somebody who has ugly uh, whatever. Uh, you know, if you have ugly knees, okay, then you have ugly knees. Ugly feet, though, it's like they have some sort of exponential power to be a turnoff. Well, it's because you forget about them, and then all of a sudden they're there again to scare you. I mean, it never it never stops. <laughs> it's sort you, know, of, you don't see them for a while, and then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah oh, I forgot. It's not as bad as the, the, the ugly teeth, which is the single worst. Ugly teeth are the worst. That's the absolute hands-down deal breaker. There's no getting by that. No. All right, you are how old? Uh, 27. But I'm going to do 28 in April, so we... We'll call it 28. Okay. Okay. Female. Okay, your height? Uh, 5'4". Even? Really? I guess. All yeah. Right. I thought you were taller than that. All right. I don't think so. All, All right. right, I'm coming over. All right. Okay, Sarah Wagner, uh, so please just stand. No, 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 you just stand okay. on it and just stay there. All right. Would you have to tell them that I don't have ugly feet? Boy, I wish too. Court was here. Oh, God. oh, you have cute little feet. <laughs> All right. Stand there for a second. Wait till it's, till it's a little. Okay, that's your weight. Yeah. Okay, now it is calculating your body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. All right. Whoa. Now, so Sarah, the, okay, okay, you'll have to tell me which one the middle number is, the second number. Please tell me that's not my body fat percentage. <laughs> Please tell me that's not it. Please. Your, your fat is this so, Sarah, this, oh, wait, Sarah, so which of these two numbers is the body fat here? Oh, that one. <laughs> really? really? That's, yeah. that can't, that's not possible. Really? I, Hold on. Female? Am I very fat? fat? I am. I'm very fat. I knew I was going to be. Well, you're not very fat. <laughs> you're it's no. <laughs> no, I'm not taking pictures. I need to use the light. This is really gratifying. I never thought okay. this would be so much fun. All right. All right. That's fantastic. Okay, here we go. So that's the Yes, that's the BMI and the other number. Okay, the one that ends in point seven, Sarah, is that the body fat? Yes. Okay. No, 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 that's the BMI. Okay, and the one that ends in point one? That's the fat. Oh my God, what am I? Uh, you, you, you are fat, Sarah. I'm sorry, this. <laughs> not very fat though. That's okay. That's you can feel good. You can feel good about that. Just fat. Yeah. Fat? Right there. Yeah. You are not fat. Sir, I, I saw your weight. You weigh you weigh two pounds less than I do. Okay, well, I need to go ahead and start running. Well, I'm just, you know. Apparently that girth is all fat, not muscle. Would you like so. to know how many uh, Would you like to know how many blocks of Tillamook cheddar you're equivalent to? I got a guy that yeah. can calculate that. Yeah, let's okay, do it. Okay, I'll get back to you later, and I'll, I'll let you know how many cubes of margarine it would take to, uh, <laughs> oh, good, yeah. to, uh, to like equal all the... Like the the bag of fat thing? Yeah, exactly. Nice. <sighs> this is going to be a great day. I can just feel it. Well, thank you for uh, for letting me know now. Officially, I'm a fat person. What I do. I'm hey, one of those great big fat people. Hey, isn't it time for lunch? <laughs> All right. You're a jerk. Whatever morbidly obese. I know. I'm like I'm no. Yeah, I'm no one. I'm no one to criticize. Fantastic. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hello. Yes. Yeah. Uh, about the cornhole thing. Hold on. And, uh, Let's back. Really hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Him say cornhole again. Back up for a second. First of all, you got kind of a scary voice. You ever do any time? 
No, I have not. All right. Would you agree that this guy has a voice that you could hear coming out of a prisoner, Sarah? He sounds like the guy that we had play the guy calling from prison from for the thing. Uh, that or. My name's Smokey. That guy from the Geico commercials? Mm. My name's Smokey. I like leathers and candlelight dinner. Oh, I remember this all the next time I see you, sir. Um, this is Joel from the B-side. All right. And, uh, oh, about the cornhole thing. I don't know, Joel. Okay, yes, Joel's about, my favorite. about cornhole. Yes. About cornhole. Uh, we had to get one of those, I don't even know what it's called, so we had a hard time looking it up. We had to find it on the Internet. Uh, one of those little, like, two people against and then breaks down to one for a competition. Uh I don't know what the bracket is called, but the only place we could find it, you know, where there's like ten names on each side, and then like one person beats another one, it draws down to one. I don't know what we're talking about right now. Where are, are you going to have a cornhole contest at the beginning? <laughs> no, we're not. But it was for the ladies of arm wrestling competition that we had to find this bracket system, and the only place we could find it on the internet was from the American Cornhole Association. <laughs> oh, I want... they have arm wrestling competitions. Okay. Can I just say. tell you this? I completely want a T-shirt from the American Cornhole Association. I'm going to see if they have a website right now. Well, Really? Do they? Absolutely. American Corn. Is that where you found this information out? Yes. American Cornhole Association. I'd wear that proudly every... Oh, here we go. Playcornhole.org. 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 Let's see here. Um, Cornhole hats and shirts. Here we go. That's wonderful. Oh, that's excellent. American Cornhole Association. I heart cornhole. <laughs> I am, Look at Banner, Michael. I am, I am all over that. Oh, those are oh no. Especially the I especially like the one that's the baby girl tea. Play cornhole. It's not what you think. <laughs> the baby girl tea in Comic Sans, where it's right over the bosoms. Just play cornhole in huge letters. All right, thank you, sir. Jolie, you should plug your fine hey. establishment. Uh, the B side. We have a ladies' arm wrestling competition Monday or no? Excuse me, Sunday, March second. Are most of the women in the I ladies of uh, are most of the women in the ladies of arm wrestling competition? Um... BP? No. Okay. Bye. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't going to say that. Hi. The B side has a great jukebox. You're on the uh, Rick Emerson show. Hello. Rickster, how you doing, buddy? What's up? Uh, is it me or does Saxon Holds sound like an old English, like 17th century uh, pornographic novel? It does. <laughs> my name is Saxon Holes. By someone named. <laughs> That'll be know, my porn name, Saxon Holes. Hello. Win- Winifred Pennant Weathers or something. <laughs> holes and holology. No, I got nothing. Holes and I'm trying to do like a sense and sensibility, pride and prejudice, sax and sexuality. There you go. That's funny. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank Take you. Intellectuality. <laughs> Give me. Okay, I'm trying to make a Jane Austen joke on the on the spur of the moment. Give me a little credit here. I I did not say anything. I'm not judging. Bastards. I I'm not morbidly obese. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Oh. I gotta say. Gotta hit the button. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey everybody. Hey. What's up? I I couple things real quick. Can you letter in Cornhole at Lewis and Clark? Um, is this leading up to a bigger joke? No, I'm just wondering if you could letter in it. I'm, you know, you can letter in track, you can letter in football. I let my my son lettered in cornhole at Lewis and Clark. I love to letter in curling. The, <laughs> curling is curling is pretty Curling's cool. But fascinating. Curling is what is is interesting, but it's one of those things that, like, I I wondered if there was going to be some sort of curling explosion after the Olympics of whatever that was, like '96 or something. But you know, where if you go to Lloyd Center, sometimes you will see them doing curling on the weekends. They will do. Every so often at the Lloyd Center ice skating rink, they will do um, the. There is a Portland curling team, and you will see them doing curling practice at Lloyd Center every now and again. And I got to tell you, in a weird way, 
that curling thing is really, um, it's relaxing to watch for some reason. I don't know what it is. It's like, you know what it is? It's like a movable Japanese rock garden. You know, like one of those, those like little sandboxes with the small stones that you move around with a rake. It's like one of those, but it moves for you. You just sort of watch it and it moves around while you observe. So uh, speaking of uh, that ice skating, Chris Novoselic from Nirvana was apparently ice skating there yesterday. Huh. How weird is that? Hey, Ed, I got to – well, I was, I was going to go out on a big – something here, but before I do, you just said a curling explosion? Yes. Thank God it's not a cornhole explosion. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Okay. The American Cornhole Association. That's wonderful. All right. Let's take a break. Back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, later on, Aaron Duran will join us in the studio. Peter Carlin will be here as well. Uh, and uh, Jim Rube from Los Angeles. Today, there's the Rick Emerson radio program. Laughing and riding and cornholing except busting. <laughs> uh, I missed that joke. Did you see that uh, that thing that Will Ferrell said the other day? That thing that Will Ferrell said the other day. Will Ferrell was talking to uh, to Will Arnett, uh, who is uh, Job, and uh, Will Ferrell said that he would personally finance an Arrested Development film. Oh, that's awesome. How great is that? Uh, all right. It's 503-733-2970. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. I'm calling it right now. That Arrested Development movie will happen. I just feel like there's momentum behind it. I feel like it will happen. I feel like, yeah, there's an accumulating energy coming up behind that thing. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, he is your new God. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A self-proclaimed pedophile returns to Portland. He was banned from TriMet, then he left. But now, self-proclaimed pedophile Jack McClellan is back. And according to his website, he's here to stay. He has a website? Yes. Mm-hmm. He uh, spent time in Portland, but late last year, he moved back to California following a skirmish when Trama Transit Authorities... Skirmish him. makes it sound like they were playing hockey or something in the street. Does he, does he have a URL? Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm looking here. It's, well, you're going to have to go find it yourself. All right. What is his name? It's uh, Jack the Pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just his professional name, Tim. Yes. Um, okay. He's uh, back, and according to the latest words on his website, he will be staying. He just got an Oregon identity card and wrote, quote, It's less stressful than living under the restraining order in California, so it just makes sense to stay here and bear the uncomfortable weather, unquote. According to his website, he's hoping from festival to festival... Oh, I don't even want to repeat this. No, never mind. All right, but do you have his full name? Okay. His name is Jack McClellan. Mick, M-C, capital C-L-E-L-L-A-N. Jack McClellan. Pedophile. Jack McClellan. Pedophile. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see here. Um, so there is... Oh, wow. Well, he's an unnerving-looking guy. Yeah. So there is... Ja- okay. So there's a jackmcclellan.com. Uh, now, this is not... What was that me? Is that him? All right. Um, That's you. Sorry. Sounded like some... Is that him play. playing the piano? This is the piano stylings of Jack McClellan. No. Um, so uh, uh, so there is a jackmcclellan.com, which I guess is uh, 
This is not his website. This is um, an admirer's website. I don't believe he has fan sites. No, I do believe uh, this is an anti-Jack McClellan website set up by somebody else. Okay. Seeing as how the headline, you know, when you go to a website up at the very up at the top of your browser, it has like a little description. Sometimes, like it'll say, uh, you know, CNN.com, your first you know place for breaking political news. This one says, Jack McClellan, he likes little girls between the ages of three and eleven. That's the uh, that's the headline there at the top. And then they've got some photo. They've got like his mugshot and some whatever. So I guess this is a this is a website some people have put up trying to get uh, you know folks to stay away from him or or whatever. Well, so, I guess you'd want to stay away. He's from got him. a bad haircut too. He's got the uh, he's got the full mo going on there. Uh, uh, Washington County deputies say a woman bicycling near Cornelius was struck by a car and is seriously hurt. Donna Van Winkle was lifelighted to a manual last night. Uh, she said this, uh, she is, is still in critical condition. The guy that hit her has been uh, charged with DUI. 61-year-old James Myler of, of Banks. She's from Cornelius. She was riding her bike on the shoulder of the road. She had on reflective clothing and was using proper lighting required. She was thrown into the car and struck the windshield. She has multiple injuries. Ugh. So that's bad. Uh, an Oregon man tried to drive over the Klein Line Bridge, but the problem is the bridge is closed. He crashed into a concrete barrier. Uh, this happened just around midnight. They discovered the candy man had the candy man. <laughs> the candy man had. I'm not even going to sing it. That was just perfect. The way had he did. driven his car past the road close sign. <laughs> road closed means it's closed. The impact was significant enough to displace the concrete barrier about eight feet inward. He was uh, once again transported to a manual where everybody is, and his injuries are not life-threatening. Alcohol may be a contributing factor in trying to cross the closed bridge. Bridge closed. I don't even know what bridge that is. Um, Line Line Bridge. It's in uh, the Couve. Okay. They closed it after the tornado. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, that's, you know, I made the mistake of, uh, you know, the rain or something. even late at night when downtown is largely deserted, I forget sometimes exactly how terrible and what a cluster F all of that construction in downtown Portland is. Yeah. Because I was trying to locate... It's a, it's a whole long story, but I was trying to locate a coffee shop, in like, like any coffee shop. There's a the friend of mine who's in town, and uh, and he dropped me an email, and he's like, hey, do you don't want to, you know, you want to, he's like, I'm in town for a while, I got to, I got to bail out at like five, but do you want to, you know, grab a quick cup of coffee or whatever? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And he's like, I don't know what's, he's like, I'm gonna be in downtown Portland, where should we meet? So I'm trying to find, like, a coffee shop in downtown Portland, which doesn't seem like it ought to be that difficult. And I want to go to Starbucks, not because I hate Starbucks, but just because their coffee sucks. And so I don't, so I go to whatever, like uh, like Yahoo Yellow Pages or whatever, and I type in, like, coffee, downtown Portland, zero results. So there was some some weirdness going on with Yahoo last night because they claimed there were no coffee shops in downtown Portland. Anyway, long story short, so I ended up just doing, the, like, canvassing it myself, so I just did kind of a slow circle through downtown last night so I could pick out a place and then give them the address so we can meet there later. And uh, uh, just even now, it's just like one big weird hedge maze uh, down there. I mean, you turn on the streets and they just stop. There's just big holes. There's huge metal fences pulled across. I feel so bad. How long has that construction been going on down there? Because anybody who has a, a year, business. Two years. I, it just seems like an eternity. I, you know what it is? That uh, construction downtown is sort of like a writer's strike was, where I no longer remember a time when the construction wasn't happening. I, I can't, my memory can't even conjure up a time when you could drive freely through downtown Portland. And, and the worst part of it, when it's finished, it's going to bring people that nobody wants. To downtown Portland. And by people that nobody wants, Tim, you mean? Troublemakers. Near do wells. wells. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to see people uh, 
dressed in tuxedos, oh. uh, boarding the new Max. Well, it's so coming it, in from outlying areas. And here's a dumb question: As much as we talk about being local and relatable, this is how out of touch I am sometimes. So all of that construction is so. All of that construction is for what? Is it for a Max line? Yes, it is for a new Max line. Coming from where? Uh, coming from the south and southeast. <laughs> the south and all parts thereabout. Mm-hmm. So do you mean from my, from my neighborhood? No, no, no. This is from the uh, towns south of here. Such as? Well, it's going to hook on to uh, a thing in Tigard, and then it's going to go, like, to Clackamas County and down that direction. That was going to be my question. So if I get on that new, when the new Max is done, wherever that might be, when I get on that Max, if I was just to ride it southbound and, keep, and stay on it, it'll take me to Clackamas? Yeah, and, but, I mean, that's that's not really the problem. The problem is it'll allow people from Clackamas to come here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I understand. I, I I understand the problem now. And I'm sure it'll, it'll be meticulously uh, patrolled, of course. as our, our current system is. Because of all that all those Clackamas dollars that we need in downtown Portland. Yeah. People in Clackamas have got to spend their money somewhere. All right. Wonderful. Hey, families of former NFL defensive back Anthony Newman and former NBA guard Terrell Brandon... We're the victims of an extortion attempt. This is according to uh, the Portland cops. Bobby Hayes was charged with theft by extortion and attempted theft by extortion. They suspect he wrote threatening letters demanding $10,000 in the family of Newman and Brandon. One of them read, You don't know me, but I know you. You spell with a capital U. I want $10,000 in cash in a black bag next to your garage door Friday night. If you tell the police and try to be a hero, you'll be responsible for the murder of your whole family. So uh, Brandon took matters into his own hands. He and a friend, Timothy Upshaw, followed the instructions in a similar letter and placed a black bag outside last Friday night. Upshaw told police he saw a man alone in a car grab the bag out of the bushes. When the stranger opened the bag, he saw a $1 bill on top of a stack of plain paper. Upshaw told police he overheard him say, What the poop is this? Uh, police say Upshaw confronted the man who ran. A northeast Portland resident later called 911 saying he heard some men on the street talking about killing somebody. When the officers arrived, Upshaw and Brandon were with Hayes. Officers handcuffed everyone before learning about the extortionate attempt. Hayes was taken into custody but later released after posting 10% of his $25,000 bail. The court ordered him to have no contact with Newman or Brandon's family. So uh, that's that. So apparently uh, Brandon is retired at 37. So this is a kind of a big story, but for but it's a sports story of some kind, isn't it? It's a, it's a story of extortion. Because Dave Zinn was forwarding it around the office today, and I saw lots of the male AEs upstairs mm-hmm. forwarding the story back and forth to each other. And it was one of those things that clearly had some importance to it. Shouldn't and, they be out selling? <laughs> well, that's what I asked Sarah earlier, Sarah Wagner. But mm-hmm. apparently not. I think she was just I think she was sticking around for sandwiches or something. But there were donuts in the other room today. <laughs> Let's send her some donuts right now. <laughs> Were there donuts? Hold on. Tonight? Are there, there donuts, are donuts down here? Hold on. And in, in the KUFO room there. Hold on. Let me... We don't do we, we don't get donuts? No, no, no. I'm gonna see if she wants some. They're in the KUFO room. CBS Radio. Hi, is Sarah Wagner here? Yes. Thank you. Ooh. What is that? It's a song. I don't know. Bland woman. That K one oh three. Hold on a second. This really won't work if she's, uh, she's, uh, come on. Come on. <laughs> now, she's probably listening now, and she's just not going to answer the phone just to be difficult. No, she came all the way down to get a donut, probably. Right now. <laughs> Hi, you've reached Sarah Wagner with KUFO, KVMX, and KTMD. I'm away from my desk right now. Doesn't but sound like her at all. Call. Should we leave a message? She's also grown up. Should we leave a message? Yes. Hey, Sarah, it's Rick. We just wanted to let you know that there are some donuts uh, down here in the KUFO studio, so 
you know, I don't know how long it's been since you've eaten. So uh figure you might be, uh, you know, jonesing or something at this point. So, all right, bye. You have no right to taunt her, though. I don't. You're in a completely separate category from her and higher. I don't. You know, here's the thing. Can I just say, for those You're who don't... You're the only one who has to go upstairs after this. For the for those who don't know... Uh, I wouldn't mess with Sarah Wagner. No, but here's the thing. For those who don't know Sarah Wagner, and I say this just uh, objectively, Sarah, I think you would agree with it. She's a very attractive young she's lady. She's very beautiful. She really is. She's, she's, a, she's the young lady who just took up her stilettos and came in here barefoot. Exactly. So uh, she's, yeah, she's the full package. She's hilarious. Yeah, and, um, I mean, yeah, she really she doesn't take any guff. No, no, no. She's smart. She's funny. Uh, you know, she's very beautiful. She has a great singing voice. She's you know whatever. So that's that's the reason. That's of course the reason I can make those jokes is because they're not true. But the scale, of course, has convinced her for at least a little while that it is. So. You want to hear what, you know, I, you, I know, I've heard Fat Boy. Have you Court. heard Court? It's not they Fat are, Boy, it's Court. They are so mean. Man, Court goes, just just goes after her with a hammer and tongs. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hello. Hi. Hey, can you hear me? This is, uh, is it me? This is, uh, this is Randy in Vegas. Hey, Randy uh, in Vegas, do you have a job? Yeah, I do, but I mostly work nights. And, okay. You know, I'm going to call you on my day off. Just checking. Uh, How can I help you, sir? Uh, I, I recognize the holding music. That was Dido. She of the, uh... M&M's oh really? Of the uh, that song, uh, whatever that song was. I do like Thank that one you. song. Yeah. Okay, uh, I was going to ask you about Barack Obama, uh, since you never did ask about. As, would you like to know how Richie has spelled Shades of Scotty? How Richie has spelled Barack Obama on the screen? B o r o k k a b a h m a. B u r o k o space b a m a Barack Obama. It's like sometimes it's like Scotty's still here. It really, yeah. Uh, uh, I was, yes. was going to ask you, uh, who do you think uh, he is going to have for his running mate? Well, you know, it's, you know it's not Hillary. You know. Which is too bad. I mean, this is which is really too bad. I mean, just in terms of the Democratic uh, the Party, you would think that they know by putting Hillary on there, they just lock it up once and for all, done, That's true, finished. But you'd be watching your back every moment. You wouldn't want to. Go anywhere alone, or start your car. Do you mean if you mean if you were? <laughs> are you speculating that the Clintons might want him out of the way at some point? I'm just saying people have ways of. Uh, and by people, you mean the Clintons? Turning up in parks with all their blood drained out. <laughs> There's crazy things, crazy things like that. That's what I like, Bill. Yeah, I don't know. I got I, when people when you know my my friend Chris Neven is you know is one of those guys who like from a year ago has already been calculating the vice presidential candidates and who he thinks are going to be, and that's. I don't know. I haven't thought it through to that point. I, just, I was just watching last night as, as Hillary just scrabbled around like a like a clawless gerbil on a freshly waxed linoleum floor, trying to get a you know a foothold, and just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it at all. It, it's tragic. That's why Bill picked Al Gore because you know that's like an insurance policy. Yeah. Uh, no one help. Nobody. He's like, yeah, I got Al Gore as vice president. You take a shot. Yeah, just Barack. Go ahead. You got spaceman as vice. Barack really just. Uh, yeah, he really just he really just uh, wiped the floor with her last night. Uh, that was too bad. It was. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. It's Randy in Vegas. Here's Tim Riley. The mother of the toilet baby is back in court today. Jennifer St. John turned herself in yesterday morning. She's charged with attempted aggravated murder. How appropriate her last name is St. John. Mm-hmm. She gave birth to a baby at the Meadow Park Care Facility while she worked on a break and left the baby in the toilet to drown. Luckily, co-workers found it and uh, shook the baby, and the baby's fine now. It's been given to a loving home. She's being held at $150,000 bail and charged with attempted aggravated murder and two counts of assault. All those bad students living in one of PSU's dorms are facing a hefty bill for vandalism, and they claim they're not responsible. In December, somebody damaged a glass awning outside the Broadway building, causing $1,800 in damage. Nobody will step forward and claim responsibility. The school will charge all the students living above the awning. 
University Housing Department said the policy encourages students to turn in vandals. But students bill for the damage, say they're being unfairly punished, and now they're fighting back. They're not saying how they did that. Uh, so on we go to other things. A uh, family in Florida is disturbed that their son's talking Elmo doll is making death threats. I noticed exactly what it was saying, and my son was repeating exactly what it was saying. Kill James? That's right. What? It said, kill James. It's not something that really you would think that would ever come out of a toy, but once I heard it, I was just kind of distraught. Kill James? <laughs> she put in new batteries and realized how much Elmo had changed. Kill James? Okay, but let's just step back for a second. So this is a talking Elmo doll. Did she did, had this just come home from the store? Yes. So how do things? It's like... supposed to sing happy songs when his red, <laughs> when his red tummy is pressed. <laughs> so not not talk about how it's going to slaughter your child. So after she put in the battery, she noticed her son was repeating the only phrase that Elmo would say. Yeah, uh, uh, uh huh. So how does something like that happen, though? We don't know. But, I mean, Fisher Price and Toys Manufacturers offered Bowman's a replacement LO with a more no, pleasant no, temperament. No, 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 We don't want a replacement. We want to keep that. We're also trying to find out if there are any more morbid Elmo's and out we there. Would, and we would have, okay, but I don't understand how that happens. I mean, don't they, don't we have these stories about once a year where it's some doll. like this. There's dolls where you pull the string and then the doll will the hurl out of. Talking Tina. The doll, I was just cute. I, I was just, it's. Yeah, Thank you. I was just getting that My right. name is Talking Tina. I was, uh... James? And I don't like you. But we have these stories about once a year where there'll be a doll and somebody pulls the string and it hurls out a bunch of racial epithets or something or it says, like, mf -er or whatever. And... But that, like, you can sort of see that maybe it's uh, some sort of miscreant doing something at the, you know, the factory or somebody sort of altering something. But that sounds like the real Elmo voice, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean... So how would that even? So how would that even happen? Because those dolls are mass produced. First of all, let's let's probably made in China. Okay, let's back up for yet another second. Let me ask you this, Tim, uh, because uh, you know you and I both uh, came of age before toys became solely electronic, uh, and there of course have been dolls since the beginning of time that have talked. Maybe not since the beginning of time, in the Paleolithic era. <laughs> it just said "ug" when he pulled it. Her name is Taki Tina. My name is Taki. So here's a good example. She's alive, Daddy. Let's see if I can... Yeah, Twilight Zone. My name is Taki Tina, and I'm beginning to hate you. Her name is Taki Tina. You are going to be sorry. My name is Taki Tina. So that's... Jesus, that's just freaky. Your name is Taki Tina. My name is Taki Tina, and I'm going to kill you. My name so that would have been like... So this Talking Tina thing would have been about 1963. Mm -hmm. So so talking dolls were already... You could buy them at that point. How did that work? Not like in the Twilight Zone episode, but I mean in real life, how did dolls in which you pulled the string and the doll said something... Tiny little... Uh, discs smaller than 45s. Now, was it like a record player where there was... Because if you listen carefully, you'll hear scratches after a while. Well, you know, what's weird, though, is that sometimes they would have more than one phrase. Mm -hmm. So was it a little tiny needle mounted to a record? Yes. Is that the deal? Mm -hmm. And it was like a hard plastic disc? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if that's the case, 
Well, that, that clearly isn't how they do it now, though. Now it must no. be a microchip. Mm-hmm. So that really sounds like the actual Elma voice. So that's not something that just some guy working on the factory assembly line, like he couldn't, he, some guy was having a bad day and decided to take it out on, a, on an anonymous child. That's not really a thing you could just do if you're the guy who puts the talking Elmo doll into a box. So is that perhaps some uh, alteration of an existing sentence? Is there something the doll is supposed to say that when shortened or truncated sounds like killed James? Please tell me the kid's name is James. It is James. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, not for him. I you're on the Rick I Emerson I said show. That at the beginning. I must have missed the fact Could, that it belongs to two-year-old James Bauman. I must have missed the fact that the doll actually. Oh man, that kid is going to be in therapy like as of now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, Rick. It's Tony. What's up? Um, I just wanted to comment on Tim's uh, story about. Uh, the baby in the toilet. Uh, well, okay, but first off, do you, do you have any idea how the talking Elmo doll would begin threatening its owner? <laughs> that would have to be uh, malicious programming, I would think, at the factory. Yeah, but, would, but they would all say that then. You know what I mean? Like, it at the factory, they make, I mean, it's an Elmo doll. They make 20,000 of them a day. Well, it would have to be somebody that was in charge of, of making the chips and putting them in the dolls. Yeah, but you can't make... I don't see at a factory how you could make one chip different from all the others, seeing as how the chips are undoubtedly not even manufactured at the same point where the doll is put together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is probably true. I have no idea how, like, the, the logistics of how that would come together. All right, back on the uh, the horrific baby story. <laughs> well, he said at the end of the story that the coworkers found the baby and uh, pulled it out of the toilet and shook it and it yes. was okay. Is I this going? To... Oh, let me interject here. Is this going to be a baby shaking joke? Well, it's not really a joke. No, I just wanted to point out, since Tim is the news god and most people live by his words, that yeah. shaking a baby probably isn't the best way to it's make not sure a, it's okay. It's not a cure-all, is what exactly. you're saying. It's not a, uh, a one-size-fits-all remedy. Exactly. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Well, we don't know the, the degree of shaking. Maybe it was more of a tap. Sort of a jiggling. Love tap. Jiggle the baby. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I saw Mom that. Mom ought to be jiggled. Yes? This morning. Uh-huh. And what they said is that she had had the doll for a while. The the doll is learned. It's supposed to learn your name, whether it's James or Scott or Rick or whatever. Um, some the microchip learns a little bit. Okay, well that's she, creepy. How does the doll learn your name? Well, didn't they have what were the little Floby? Not Floby. What the heck were those things called? Furbies. What they would learn signs. <laughs> it's a, a haircutting thing. thing. That's what you want. How that's would you what, like your hair? <laughs> that's what you want. Learning your name is a thing with <laughs> whirling blades on it. <laughs> Hello, Tim. <laughs> you remember the little dolls that learned? They were like little munchkin-looking things. They sat there. Furby. Uh, yeah, yeah, it looked, Furby. It looked, looked like a mogwai. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, same basic premise as I understand on the news this morning was you say the name, the child's name repeatedly, and it learns to say, oh, you know, I love you, James. And it whatever. learns to approximate the sound of the name. Exactly. And in this case, it maybe they said something prior that sounded like kill. Oh, that's creepy. Maybe one of the parents was talking about it. Maybe one of the parents somehow used the word kill. Not that the parents are guilty of anything, but maybe the parents somehow used the word kill or something that sounded like that. Well, that's right. interesting. So did, now does the microchip, to the best of your knowledge, does the microchip have a uh, selection of words or, or word parts that it can piece together, or does it – it doesn't seem like it could possibly learn how to uh, emulate words it doesn't already know. That seems like it would outstrip the technology in this doll, don't you think? Well, yeah, no. As I understand it, it was just to learn the name, and then it would put the name in a phrase, 
um, whether, you know, it's I love you or happy birthday or whatever. It was only supposed to learn the name. And then when she swapped out the batteries, um, the little microchip had a hiccup or something that that said uh, only piece together those two words. It's weird, though, that, that, the, that the word kill would, would even be in Elmo's vocabulary. Well, maybe mom and dad were fighting and Elmo was sitting on the kitchen table. And, that's my uh, whole thing. That's my, all right, excellent. Thank I'm you, just sir. Saying. Thank you. Well, that's like those stories. There was a story a long time ago, a famous story, where... And there's there's sort of an urban legend variant on this true story. There is a true story where a uh, there was a, cops have been called to the scene of some murder, and like it, the woman's bird or something, like she had one of those talking. What is that, parrot? Are those the things that, that is, talk? Okay, see, it's a minor bird. This is exactly what I've been doing because in Twin Peaks, there's this one thing where the minor bird imitates Laura Palmer's voice. Uh huh. And um, so get that knife away from me. No, and it's like Laura, Laura, and it keeps saying right. this thing, and that's exactly what it sounds like. I have been sitting here for 15 minutes trying to yeah. find that audio. Well, there was this famous case some, in the minor bird where this cop started talking to the police and implicated like the boyfriend or something, and it was and it was so creepy. Yeah, it was it was really uh, it was uh, I mean I you know it was like way before my time so there's no audio of it or anything that I've ever heard but I've read the the newspaper article about it it's from I think the late 70s where the cops go to the house woman's dead on the carpet it's so creepy I'm surprised it hasn't made its way into a movie like this exact thing where the cops the, the bird starts talking to the cops and the birds a whole lot of like you know I know you're sleeping with my best friend get away with, from me with that knife I mean, it's and so then they had then they had to like figure out whether to like charge the husband based upon the bird. Like, I'm gonna kill you, you bitch! <laughs> you know, it's like a whole lot of like it's all very weird. Here's Tim Riley. The <laughs> the city of Toledo's phone system has a flaw. Anyone can call from any phone and record a recorded greeting without even using a code. Uh, this morning, those who called the city's purchasing department were greeted by this message about the city's mayor. <laughs> Excellent. I love I love creative crime. I really do. I love people. <laughs> That's just so creepy that it even knows how to say kill. There's no call for that in a toy. There really isn't. A former school bus driver in South Carolina has been arrested for duct-taping students' mouths to keep them quiet. Uh, 35-year-old Helen Curry was charged with eight counts of cruelty to children. She's accused of taping students' mouths and wrists. And uh, recently, uh, oh, she was fired, an unrelated matter, they said. Mm -hmm. uh, she wants parents to understand her methods that she used to discipline children. I made a bad decision, and I'm reaping the consequences now. But it was not my intention to harm or be cruel to a child. But and just for the record, she even duct taped her own daughter's mouth shut. I taped my daughter's that hands to okay. herself, and I taped the other student's hands to himself. Apparently there wasn't a toilet nearby. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yes, hello. I'd like to uh, point out how great it would be if they uh, killed James Elmo doll. It was a great, like a marketing scheme just to broaden their you know base of possible customers. And I picture them sitting in the boardroom talking about uh, you know how best to sell this and what a what a uh, a great thing it'd be to have in the newspaper and, you know, the novelty of getting a doll that says kill somebody. Wait, hold on a second. No, you're triggering a thought now. Uh, and, okay, your thought is merging with a little piece of uh, music news that I read this morning. Check This is how my mind works. Check this out. So you were talking about 
a viral campaign of some kind in which they get news coverage for the I'm going to kill you, Elmo, or whatever, by by having it say, kill James. Mm-hmm. That, in my head, is merging with the fact that I'm a big fan of this band, Wednesday 13, and I read this news release this morning that they're going to put out their new CD. There's a little bit of controversy uh, with their fan base because their new CD is going to be sold exclusively at Hot Topic stores, and a lot of people are upset about that and whatever. So you know what they... But I was thinking about the kids that shop at Hot Topic, those kind of goth lunchbox kids. You know what they ought to sell? They ought to sell evil dolls. They ought to sell... They don't look evil. They look normal, sweet, blonde hair, blue eyes, but you pull the string and they say things like, I'm going to cut out your heart. (laughs) How great would that be? I would completely buy that. It wouldn't even have to be talking Tina herself... From the Twilight Zone, oh, that'd be cool. They ought to sell old school, cute, you know, cute little, like you know, the female, like little girl dolls. But when you pull, and it would have to have a pull the string, like it couldn't be a button. You pull the string, and it says something like, you know, you'd better be nice to me. How great would that be? I buy one of those right now. That would be great. And then for the eyebrows to kind of arch in an evil manner would be the icing on the cake. Totally. Or occasionally one of her eyes just glows red. <laughs> That's wonderful. Excellent. Best show ever. Thank you. That's a great idea. I'm surprised nobody sells that. Mm. i got to get right on that. I'll never get on that. Here's Tim Riley. A Japanese astronaut will put on special boxer shorts during the upcoming space mission to see if the newly developed high-tech clothing can boost comfort levels aboard the space station. These are stretchable boxer shorts, and they're made of lightweight fabric woven by antibacterian, anti-static fibers to give high levels of deodorant, antiseptic, and antiseptic effect in space. They're going to try these because the astronauts, all of them, including the Japanese, cannot take a bath or shower during the two-week say, mission. Isn't it easier just to wash your ass every now and again? Yeah, but in weightlessness, if something can... gets loose and is whirling around, how are you supposed to catch it? Wow. I had never really pondered that, Tim. That is an... smacking up around the side with somebody sitting there reading a book and splat. I hadn't oh, Hitachi, I think you lost something. <laughs> Is it tamale night again? I hadn't really ever thought about that, but now... You don't want that to happen. I, you know, that that actually it brings up a whole... No, you don't. brings up a whole thing about, you know, things that you know they must have experimented on for space travel, but they don't ever talk about. Like, you know they've had a bunch of astronauts humping it out in space, and they just don't tell us about it. I mean, because they know that that's all we would fixate on. You know that we would demand all of the titillating details. Mm-hmm. So I never really thought about uh, bathroom. Okay, I'm not trying to be hideous. I'm really not. But, okay, so I understand how you do the number one in space. You got like a, what do you call it, like a catheter type thing or like a, yeah. a tube of some kind. Mm-hmm. But how do you, uh, how, do, how does it? Well, it would be uncomfortable for a tube in that direction, I would understand. So. <laughs> Especially for several days. <laughs> Pardon me. We're going to need to jam a hose up here. Hold on. You Can you grab onto something? Here's a rag for you to bite on. Maybe that's part of the training. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so, uh, like I don't see in space kind of a thing. How uh, How is it that you do the number two when you're in zero gravity, though? I don't... It, does, the, does the toilet... I'm not trying to work blue, Sarah. I really wonder, though. That's a science question. This is question. something that you secretly Google at your house by yourself. This isn't something you talk about on the radio. I'm sure Maybe you don't know. talk about it on the radio. I'm sure a lot of people know but about it. But don't you think people are wondering right now, now that I brought it up? I understand how you do number one, but number... Tim started it, by the way, uh, by talking about, quote, things floating around the cabin that you don't want floating around. So I do wonder... 
Well, Richie says vacuum cleaner, but I wonder if it's probably not a vacuum cleaner, but maybe it is like a toilet with vacuum properties. Boy, that seems like an accident waiting to happen. Suck your ass right out into space, so to speak. Okay, well, somebody will know. Uh, wow. Sometimes I don't even know whether we want to take more calls. Tim? Why not? It's a talk show. <sighs> okay. I are on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Is this you? Uh, it is me. Is okay. this you? Yes, what's up? Well, I, I like your idea of uh, selling the goth dolls that say stuff. So, and the thing is, the dolls would have to look really innocent. They would have to be the very stereotype of an innocent little child's doll. But then you pull the string and it says something like, you know, I'm going to eat your soul. Well, what happened is uh, with those Furbies that guy brought up, my kids all had those many years ago. Somebody gave me a book that if you held one of their noses and their ear and their eye at the same time for 30 seconds, you could program in cuss words and all kinds of stuff because it would manipulate the program just like any uh, any any program that you have on a computer or anything. Fantastic. And and there was words and little passwords and stuff that you could put in there. It would make it burp and fart and do all this stuff. It was hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I right there. That, I, I still have that book and a Furby. I'll send it to you. Please do. You know what that is right there? That's the sound of the 18 to 44 year old male demographic growing by leaps and bounds, Sarah. I I I, I still have it and still use it. Thank take you. Thank you, sir. Bye. Excellent. Let's do one more and then we'll take a little break. Uh, let's see here. Oh, Madonna, Demi Moore, and others now have to get hepatitis A shots. Mm. And Madonna too. Did I say that? Yes. They're among the hundreds of patrons of a New York bar forced by New York health officials to get hepatitis A vaccines after a bartender was found to be infected. I heard that. Yes, 700 people she served. Uh, local oh. media reports say Moore hosted a 30th birthday bash for her husband, Kutcher. I can't remember what the guy's name is. At a venue uh, February 2nd, it was a star-studded dinner. Entertainment uh, agency uh, Wire Image showed guests, including Madonna, Gwyneth Paltrow, Ivanka Trump, Liv Tyler, Catherine Keener, Lucy Louie, and Selma Hayek. Other celebrities, uh, well, there are plenty of them. Uh, any patron who visited this establishment after 8 p.m. February 7th, 8th, or by 10 o'clock February 12th could be infected with hepatitis. It's, uh, you're considered to be at risk, and you should get a shot, said the health official. So there. By the way, uh, before it's we... a liver disease, by the way. No, and, and, it's, and it's, isn't it incurable? Uh, let's see. I thought hepatitis was... Person. I guess maybe it's hard to cure. Maybe that's hepatitis B. Oh, it, it's because you put something in your mouth that's been contaminated with traces of fecal matter. Like if you're an astronaut. Mm, or Madonna. Or Ashton <laughs> Kutcher. <laughs> or Demi Moore. As, that's an occupational hazard if you're Madonna. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, when we come back, somebody knows how astronauts go number two. Somebody about Elmo. By the way, speaking of Lucy Lou, it's not a show for me. Uh, but uh, folks who were Sex in the City fans, have you all seen Cashmere Mafia? Boy, it's like the worst show. But I think you might like it. You especially, Sarah. It's terrible. Is it as bad as Lipstick Jungle? I haven't seen Lipstick Jungle, but my wife watches Cashmere Mafia, and boy, is it bad. I mean, it really is. It's screamingly bad, but it seems like it's pretty entertaining. It's very much like an Alan McBeal meets... Uh, it's like Alan McBeal meets uh, meets Sex and the City, sort of, because it's like a publishing house where everybody is humping everybody else, and then they all have fantastic shoes. Anyway, just food for that. Speaking of fantastic shoes, Eddie Izzard coming back to town this uh, later, I think, in August or something. Uh, stay there. Tim Riley returns after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere.
Citizen Radio program here on KCMD Portland. Uh, coming up at the uh, bottom of the 1 o'clock hour, around 1.30, we'll talk to Don Horn, who is the writer-director of Nancy and Tanya, a rock musical. So that's uh, coming up next hour. Uh, Peter Carlin will be in the studio with us. Aaron Geek in the City. Duran will be here as well. Uh, later on, James Roop from Los Angeles. Uh, glorious bastard of the week. And, uh, oh, and we have the uh, the awful sound of Ted Kennedy singing. And maybe, just maybe, if we have time, uh, we'll get to Paul Anka uh, going crazy. Here's Tim Riley. You know, there's no worse place in the world than Texas. And there's no worse place for Democrats than Dallas, Texas, yeah. this, the city that killed JFK. It has worked out badly. And uh, it doesn't seem to be faring well for either uh, Hillary or Barack because a police officer was killed this morning in a motorcade accident as Senator Clinton's motorcade made its way through downtown Dallas. A motorcycle officer was injured in that accident uh, during Clinton's escort. The identity of the officer has not been released, but apparently it's a lady. Uh, the officer was thrown about 30 to 40 feet, according to reports, that other vehicles were involved. Uh, so Hillary... Uh, Put an end to most of her campaign appearances today. After we are just heartsick over this loss of life in the line of duty. Uh, she's sorry that this happened. I just want to express my deepest condolences uh, to the family and to uh, the Dallas Police Department on this tragic, tragic loss. Now, things get worse in Dallas. Uh, for Barack Obama, nobody was killed, first of all. Let me tell you this, but... Listen to this. Security details at Barack Obama's rally stopped screening people for weapons at the front gates. More than an hour before the Democratic presidential candidate took the stage at Reunion Arena, the order to put down the metal detectors and stop checking purses and laptop bags came as a surprise, but it came from the Secret Service. And, and so the question then is, who makes the decisions at the Secret Service? Mm hmm and I don't really know how that organization works. Everything I know about the Secret Service comes from the West Wing, but is there... I know there's a guy... Like a guy who's the point man on the scene, or is there some guy who's back in Washington who makes those decisions? But, I mean, in in Texas and in Dallas, which, as you said, has a bit of a checkered past uh, when it comes to politicians, um, and for Barack Obama, who is, as, they, as we're required to say, a polarizing candidate, mm -hmm. um, it, the idea that the Secret Service would tell the cops not to buy... How many people were at this? 17,000. That they would just tell Because people, it seemed like a friendly crowd. It seemed like a friendly crowd. Well, it's not the crowd you have to worry about. It's the lone, bitter nutcase in the crowd. So that they would tell cops a crowd of 17,000 people at Barack Obama's didn't need to be searched for weapons. I mean... You know, and obviously, you know, no one wants to... Hey, and to the credit of the Dallas police, they were concerned and wanted it, to keep yeah. on checking. But they were told by the Secret Service not to. I mean, it just doesn't... I mean, it just seems like you're begging for trouble. I mean, it just seems like you... It, it, I, of course, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy or that whatever. It is... It, it's strange, though. Mm -hmm. it's, it's certainly very weird. I can't imagine what they would what they were thinking. I mean, it... it, it well, all right. I mean, I, I will say this. Lycus did a whole hour the other day on... Barack Obama and whether uh, and addressing the, the, the fear or the belief that some people have that were Barack Obama to become elected that uh, that somebody would try to take a shot at him or that whatever and um, it, it, you got to know that if, if he I mean if it even looks like he's going to get it I mean as soon especially as in a southern state yeah I mean if it even looks like he's going to get the the nomination you know much less get the presidency you, everywhere he goes they're probably just going to send the 82nd Airborne with him I mean he'll just be I mean they'll have I mean you won't be able to get within a hundred yards of that guy without somebody taking you down to the pavement. But uh, it is weird that they just wouldn't script, especially in Dallas, yeah. which just has such a weird, unpleasant history. Huh. 
Meanwhile, Mike Huckabee said the Republican presidential race can change completely with the Texas primary on March 4th, and it could be in his favor. Texas changes everything if we win Texas. This is the largest single Republican state in America. That guy just won't go away. What else is he supposed to do? Just a carbuncle. Hmm. Uh, no, not a carbuncle. What's a thing that's like a an carbuncle? Arbuckle? He's an arbuckle. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> I'm sorry. Ow! Um, anywho. <laughs> no, I think he's... No, I think Hillary's the one who's being arbuckled. Um, let me just stop right there. Um... No, he's a barnacle. That's what he is. He's not a carbuncle, which I think is a blister of some kind. I think he's a barnacle. Uh, like Mike Barnacle. Yes, exactly. Mike, Mike. Uh, wait, no, I'm doing his voice right. He's the Boston guy, right? Yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, so there's Mike Huckabee. Da, 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 da. Let me ask you this about John McCain. I meant to ask Lisa Desjardins today, but I'll just bring it up regardless. Is the, I don't, I'm not saying this to be a jerk. Is there something wrong with her eyes? Do you know what I mean? Did you see her last night? It looks like she's capable of firing death rays. She, uh, Lara pointed it out. I pointed it out. Many people have. There's something weird with her eyes. I mean, really weird. She does. She looks evil. And you're totally right about that. She looks like she has, instead of like her. What's One the, night at the Stepford Men's Club. <laughs> exactly. What is the white part in your eye? The cornea or the whatever the, the white, white part, part is. She just has big black discs there that she doesn't. And, and it does not help the fact that she has so much, uh, you know, mascara or whatever, eye, eyelash liner, whatever the stuff and, you put on And she won't here. stop serving refreshments. No. <laughs> How else may I pleasure you, John? Uh, the she Her face is all tight. She's got too much makeup and whatever. But it is her eyes, specifically. There is something really evil. And if you watch last night when McCain was making this speech about how he wasn't he wasn't bonking whoever that blonde woman is... Um, she just is there's you do expect sort of fire or death or something to shoot out of her out of her face there's something really weird and i almost but i almost want to see if there's like a medical issue with her before i make fun of it but i guess that's just not going to stop me it she just looks very bizarre and a little frightening actually she's sort of like a really 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 emaciated tammy faye when it comes to her eyes just big like black venus flytrappy things it's almost as weird as that, that toilet baby mom. Have you seen her picture? Oh, God. Do I, I don't even... This is the mom who tossed her kid. Look at her. Uh. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Who would impregnate that woman? Ew. She's already got a kid, doesn't she? This yeah, a, a three-year-old. Who has sex with that? People in St. Helens would love such a thing. You know, I know they say there's somebody for everybody. That is one of the most unattractive people I've ever seen. Maybe the man for her is a blind man who also has no limbs and can't fight back. Jesus, what a mess. God forbid something happens to her in jail. I hope that they keep her safe. That's all I'm saying. It's hard to tell if she's a man or a woman. I would imagine she's a woman. I hope that she is kept safe so that she may um, wend her way through the legal system mm. as, uh, you know, as prescribed uh, by the state constitution. So for that sake... Uh, and and you know and because of that, I hope that uh, they are doing all they can to keep her safe in jail. God forbid, because she is in jail right now, right? Uh, I, I think, think so. They yeah. put up her bond, but I can't imagine that woman has the money to make her bail. No, Jesus, how much? I mean, how much? All the money in St. Helens couldn't get her out of jail. <laughs> Say you can't, can't get out of jail with Marlboro tops, baby. So, uh, God forbid uh, that someone uh, hear that she tried to drown her newborn baby in a toilet. Because I will say this, you know, jail is full of women. Uh, who have kids who are not able to see them. 
jail, prison, places where they hold women while they're awaiting trial. You know, jail is full of women who have a lot of kids that they would love to be seeing, love to be spending time with. Women's prison. Angels in chains. Full of a lot of women who have kids that they would do anything to be with. So, God forbid, they discover that they're in there with a girl who tried to drown her baby in a toilet. Because, unfortunately, if someone isn't paying close enough attention, justice might be swift and brutal and shiv-like, which would be too bad. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, so there was some so-called debate on television last night. It really wasn't much of anything. Oh. Uh, Hillary and Barack uh, differed on certain things. Lifting whole passages from someone else's speeches is not change you can believe in. It's change you can Xerox. Now, the notion that uh, I had plagiarized from somebody who's one of my national co-chairs who gave me the line and suggested that I use it, I think it's silly. Hillary got booed a lot. No, no man, she, she, got, she got punked. There's no way to get around it. She got she got effed last night, but good. Uh, Hillary says she offers a lifetime of experience and proven results. For me, politics is about making real differences in people's lives. And I'm very, very proud that over these years, I have been able to make a difference in the lives of people in Texas, Ohio, and elsewhere. Uh, you know, it's not even that she was bad. She just didn't really do anything. I mean, she was just, she needed a knockout last night, and she didn't do anything. She was just sort of not there. And I think it's like, as the debate went on, she just started kind of, and eventually she was just sort of a mosquito buzzing in your ear. You just sort of forgot about her. And then she continued. Yeah, James. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so anyway, Obama had a couple of things to say. Well, I think oh, everybody here knows I've lived through some crises and some challenging <laughs> moments in my life. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really know that you can do that. I don't really know that it's a shrewd move. To try to get the audience on your side by reminding everybody that your husband humps somebody else. I'm just saying. A Maryland man has been arrested after he caused the disturbance by giving away cash. Lots of cash. James Lee is upset with the Discovery Channel, which he says doesn't do enough programming to impact the environment. So he started to throw his money around outside the Discovery Channel headquarters in downtown Silver Spring, Maryland. I have $200 here, as you can see. And he just throw money every day. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the guy. This girl found herself with some free money. I made about, about $70, and I think that what he was doing was to improve this environment. Uh, Jacqueline Thompson missed it all. I heard that this man was up here giving away money, and for your opinion, to save the planet. So when I come out early to tell him get him, I'm gone with him. I'm sorry, I missed him. I'm so confused. So he was, who is giving away money and why? He's giving away free money because he's mad at the Discovery Channel. And what better way to... Whatever. All right. Now, the Discovery Channel, he's mad that they don't do enough what? Environmental programming? Yes. You know, no one cares about that. No. You got Planet Planet Earth. What else do you need? Have you seen Planet Earth? That show, Planet Earth, that Sigourney Weaver narrates? No. From the BBC. It's from the BBC, of course. I didn't. I've just heard the. We've talked about this before. I've heard the dude. The guy narrating it. I've never uh, heard Sigourney Weaver. Well, There's maybe. A British man. Well, maybe that maybe they strip her. Maybe they strip him off and give it an American narration when it comes here. Because, it must be yeah, because yeah, I've seen the BBC version. Because I think there's only the one version, but they must have a different voiceover than for America. Because the it's one I saw amazing. was Sigourney Weaver, uh, doing oh, it's, it's jaw dropping. It's unbelievable. Uh, so uh, so as long as we got that and you know and the you know and the MythBusters guys blowing things up, that's really all I care about. Let's get some of these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. This is me. Hello, sir. Hi. Okay, I have seven points to make and then a question, and then I'd like to recite a 20-second soliloquy and take my answer off the air. Uh-huh. Um, no, actually, I have a uh, theory on the uh, on the Elmo doll. Okay. 
And my theory is that some of the some of the newer ones were fitted with a USB port so that they could program them. Others have the uh, the learning capability function. Right. And then there's also the possibility that the parents just made a mistake when looking at the label and instead bought the Tickle Me Emo. <laughs> Tickle Me Emo. Wait, are you hey, doing bye. the are you are you doing the music joke or an Emo Phillips joke there? Oh no, Emo Kid. Emo Kid. All right, excellent. Thank you. Remember, down the tracks, never across. <laughs> Tickle me, emo. Wait, hold on. I'm trying to conjure up an emo Phillips joke from the depths of my brain. Tickle me, emo. You pull the string and. You know, nothing gets me going in the morning like a hot pot of coffee. I've tried other enemas, but. Insert audience applause. You don't remember emo Phillips. Yeah, thank God. Thank God for that. All right. Do you hear an open channel somewhere? Yes. Is that you, Tim? No, it isn't me. I hear it's just a... your both, just I... your two computers. Really? I hear a weird open channel. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Hi. Hi. Hey, uh, you know, the last caller pretty much said the same thing as I was going to say. We have one of those dolls, and it's connected by a USB cord, and you just download the name off the Internet. That, and somebody told me that the doll already says, Tickle Me, and, of course, if it speaks in word fragments, if, that how it put, if that's how it puts together sentences, it already has the cull or kill. You know, if it says tickle, yeah. then I if it says know. a fragment of tickle could be kill. Yeah, I have, I have no idea how they get the kill on there. But I have two other quick comments. Perfect couple. The toilet baby dropping lady and uh, the guy from your uh, website the other day that you had pulled up. Mitchell Bickford. Mitchell Bickford. Yeah. And the third observation I have is if you're in outer space and you've got to drop a deuce, wouldn't you be floating a deuce? Yes. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. So apparently the deal is uh, Planet Earth, uh, for America, they have retrofitted it with Sigourney Weaver. Uh, which I quite like, actually. But I guess the original narration was David Attenborough, who was wonderful. David Attenborough did that show. Um, I forget exactly what it was called, but it was it was Secret Life of, like Secret Life of. I love his plants, voice. Secret Life of fish, Secret Life of you know, you know, mammals, whatever. And it was all like in forty different parts. He's great. In fact, he is so huge in Britain that when I was there, I would ch like I would look at the Daily Mail or whatever it was, and to to get people to buy the Daily Mail, they would they were giving away free DVDs of that guy with the paper. He's huge there. I mean, he's sort of the the uh, the Jacques Cousteau of uh, Britain. Anyway, so Sigourney Weaver, I guess, does the voice over here. Beautiful show, though. Really amazing. Here's Tim Riley. Wow! Nike just nailed a huge deal, $500 million with French soccer leagues. So apparently, that's a, that's a lot. French soccer? I guess, yeah, there's soccer everywhere. I guess everywhere. soccer everywhere but here. Yeah, people don't like it here. No. Uh, you have the long version of this. Uh, Ted Kennedy singing in Spanish. Oh, that's that wonderful. Handy? Hold on. Let me, yeah, let me... Let me get that cute. I up. found out he was in Nevada when he did this. He was not in Dallas. He was okay, and there is a sizable uh, Latin population in Nevada, I believe. All right, so this is Ted Kennedy singing some song. I don't really know what the song is, but it's it just gets worse the longer it goes on. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. Oh, I've got a uh, I've got a YouTube thing open. Hold on, let me close this. Let me close my close my talking Tina sounder. All right, so this is Ted Kennedy singing. Muchacha bonita, la perlas más en todo el isca es me guadalara. Ah, Jalisco no te rais, es el amor. 
Cantor, Cantalor. That's just sad. Laredo, will you help us out? Will you vote for Barack Obama? Thank you very much. For who? Barack Obama! That's wonderful. You see him driving over a bridge? <laughs> <laughs> Singing along drunkenly, lurching through a guardrail. <laughs> yeah, good times. Anyway, I wonder if he's annoyed that he never got to nail Maryland. I wonder if that's why he just drinks himself, you know, to do a stupor constantly. Just to get, get left out of all of the good, uh, he never got the good bonuses that uh, Jack and Bobby got. Ugh, all right. Did you want to hear it again? That's yeah. uh, not it. I'm sorry. I don't have the... Uh, let's do this. Mama! There I go. Here's Tim Riley. Global warming is, quote, a crock. That's the word of GM Vice President Bob Lutz, who says his opinion on the subject does not have any bearing on the type of vehicles that GM makes. Mm -hmm. uh, Lutz has come under fire from Internet bloggers since, well, he made this comment last month. In his GM blog, I guess he has his own, Lutz said those spewing virtual uh, crap are missing the big picture. The critics have formed opinions about GM and its actions to better the environment and not him. He said GM is developing battery-operated how long is it going to take for them to develop battery operating? Haven't they been working on that since like 1912? I, I think they have. Then they brought them to the dump and pretended they never did it. I mean, so how hard is it? it? Seriously, and I, I look, I'm not a mechanic. It, how hard is it to get a car and put a battery in it? Yeah. I mean, really, honestly, I don't understand. And uh, is the car? I mean, look, I'm, I know I'm oversimplifying things here, but they have golf carts, right? Yeah. How fast is the average golf? What do you suppose the top speed in a golf cart is? Anybody know? I don't know. Hey, Richie, do you golf? You look like a guy who might golf. Richie totally golfs. Richie, do you golf? Is that a thing? Is that a, a sport in which you take part? He wears hats, so I'm I'd imagine he does. I can see. Can't you see? Can't you see Richie golfing with a lot of the guys, like Gavin and like a bunch of the like fan guys? Well, whatever. I don't, okay, I think he's gone. Um, but uh, I mean, I don't know how fast a golf cart goes, but I mean, it's it's fairly speedy, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it's so difficult to just. You put a car together, you stick a big battery in it, it's got a cable that you plug into a, a little, you know, like an outlet inside your home, bada-bing, you're good to go. So, I mean, really, you got to figure that they've, they've already built the car that runs on the batteries, and it's just sitting in the Ark of the Covenant warehouse somewhere where it's never going to be used. So, all right, well, whatever. Uh, Will Smith won an apology and an undisclosed amount of damages in a London court. Over a false claim, he had described World War II uh, Nazi leader Adolf Hitler as a good person. The star of one of the world's most popular and highly paid actors was left distressed and acutely embarrassed over the wrong story published by an entertainment newswire. This happened in England, apparently. His uh, comments originally published in the Scottish Daily Newspaper were wholly misrepresented by a London-based World Entertainment News Network. Is there somebody out there who really would look at Will Smith and presume he was a big fan of Hitler? Apparently I mean, so. That doesn't seem to uh, withhold even the slightest scrutiny. The article charged Smith had uh, declared in an interview that Adolf Hitler was a good person. Uh-huh. It totally misrepresents his actual words. Uh, the lawyer said Smith, also a Grammy-winning rapper, was not in court. Actually, he thought Hitler was vile and heinous. The allegation was that he could think otherwise is deeply distressing. It caused him acute embarrassment. So uh, this uh, news corporation retracted the story and issued a correction and an apology, but no media published it. Leaving the libel at large, whatever that means. So uh, I guess Will Smith wants some money. It doesn't say how much. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. 
Hey there, this is Sean the Plumber. Uh, after hearing Mr. Kennedy sing, I need to hear Mrs. Connie Chung sing again. You know, I did have that uh, thought, actually, because there's that moment. Let me see if I can find the... Uh... If I can, if I can find the Kennedy speech. There's that moment where he he picks that note and he just starts dragging it out forever. Uh -huh. uh, hold on, where? Yeah, that made me. Oh God, where's Connie? That's Kennedy three. It's it. He gets about halfway through it and he seizes on that one note, uh, and he decides that that's where he's just gonna hang his hat like forever. Let's see here. Exactly. Hold on. Right there. That's that's exactly it. Let me back up. Yep. Ah. Uh... <laughs> That's fantastic. So there you go. All right, we'll uh, we'll roll out Connie Chung for you later on, sir. All right, thank you. Sir. All right, thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. You know, we never answered the space toilet question. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Me? Ah, yes, you. Hi. Hey, I got uh, something about the electric cars. There's a uh, documentary. It's called um, Who Killed the Electric Car. Right. And it's all about this conspiracy. There was an electric car developed called the EOS One or something in the '90s. And it was between the oil companies and GM. They seized all the cars back from the people who leased them, and they loved their electric cars, and they wouldn't let them keep them. But they took them out in the desert and buried them. Okay, but well, first of all, when you say they seized the cars from the people who leased them, well, they wouldn't. They wouldn't let you buy them outright. Well, hold on. Let's let's back up for a second. First of all, who, without getting into a whole thing about it, because this is this does sort of puzzle me. So, who was the company that created this electric car? I believe it was GM. Okay, well, but my question then is, like, how hard can it be to build a car with a big battery in it? Why doesn't somebody no, else not. just do it? They, it's, it's been developed, and it's been on the streets. I guess I don't understand. So, it, I guess my question is, like, it, doesn't it seem to you like some uh, some company, some guy somewhere with a couple, you know, million dollars you're not doing anything with, can just build a company and just, like, start selling you a car with a battery in it? Seems like uh, I'd be able to go buy that right now. You you would think that somebody would do that. But, I mean, why can't I? Like, saying that, that General Motors won't let me sort of doesn't explain it. Like, that's they, that doesn't, you know, seems like there's got to be more to it than that. Well, I think it takes a lot of uh, backing to get a car company off the ground. Don't you? Yeah, well, maybe, except when you think about the fact that um, what I think the deal is when you first start selling something like that, don't you start don't you start by selling it to the early adopters? I mean, people that will pay uh, like a hugely inflated amount. Like, look look at the, here's a, the, the kind of a different example, but look at those hybrid cars, how the first hybrids that were really commercially available, even like five, six, seven, eight years ago, they're like three times what they cost now. Uh, but, you know, but there's always some Ed Begley Jr. type out there that'll uh, that'll pay for it. Yeah, no, I think Ed Begley Jr. is in the movie uh, about the electric car. All right, well, see, now it's just going to be one of those things that I have to go watch. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. All right, that's... I do have a message for you on the uh, defecation question. On the issue of defecation. On the issue of bowel evacuation, Tim Riley has the following message. Up until Skylab waste management systems aboard spacecraft were primitive. NASA reports bluntly... The device that collected the feces was a plastic bag that was stuck to the posterior with adhesive tape during defecation. Wow. Oh. So you taped a bag on your ass. Maybe you had some help. Well, hold on. Now, I'm sorry. I hate to do this. Oh, don't no, do it. No, I'm then. just... I'm You're not going to demonstrate, do are you? <laughs> yes, don't do it. I'm, yes, I'm going to demonstrate. Are you going to bring somebody down to I demonstrate? I have to take off my stockings first. Um, so, I, okay. How do I put this? A plastic bag stuck to the posterior with adhesive during defecation. But I mean... Rick. Okay, fine, fine. Drop pictures if it's more helpful for you. No, I'm, I'm just, it's confusing, but... I'm saying, how do you put a plastic bag 
completely around your ass. Well, they train for months before they go on. I guess maybe that's what that's, that's what they do. Like when, another potty training. That's what they do when they're not whirling around and <laughs> that that big thing that stretches your face out. Yeah. <laughs> when they're not busy blowing into that uh, that water filled tube with the ball at the top. So it just seems like um, there's going to be uh, an area there where there's nothing to which you can tape it. Where it, um, well, it I, I, where how do I put this? Where it ain't possible to tape it. Maybe well, it's a... if you have a hairy <laughs> posterior, it would make it a lot easier, but more painful in removing it. Well, that's the other question: is what kind of tape are we talking about? It's also, adhesive. Okay, and also because you're in zero gravity, so I guess my the question: the company is... is boasting of its affiliation with this device. By the, <laughs> by the way, this is a news uh, s- uh, story here. It is. And this is in the news segment From of the Rick Emerson program uh, on uh, AM 970 KCMD Portland, a news talk radio station operating in the public interest convenience. And necessity. So back to pooping. So the... This is up until Skylab. They did improve things. Okay, but my question is, so if one tapes the bag around one's... uh, The scientists call it an ass. uh, The scientists did not call it that. No, (laughs) then if if you're working in zero G, though, um, if if I was a rapper, that'd be my name, zero G. Um, The... uh, I would imagine you're hanging on to something. Well, okay, but then my question is... I mean, is, it's a space program. I'm sure it's something, like, very advanced. It does, they're taping a bag to your ass. That's not maybe advanced. maybe it's a special kind of special bag. Special kind of bag. My question is, okay, I'm just going to be blunt about this. If you're in zero gravity, uh, let me back up. If you're in regular gravity, and let's say you were doing this in, like, you know, not in space, but let's say here in this building. You're in regular gravity, bag around your ass. One uh, does what one has to do. One does the the business, like Barat. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly. You take the bag off, and the business right. is uh, collected at the bottom. You throw it away. So think of Barat. That's what it was like. Okay, time. but in outer space. Well, they're not going back to a dinner. Party. In outer space, when you take the bag off of mm-hmm. you, it, doesn't it seem like the business is going to kind of go everywhere? It won't have settled in the bottom. It, it seems like containing the business once the bag comes off is going to be very tricky. Well, they didn't use it very long. They couldn't even keep Skylab from blowing up. It was equipped with what is recognized as a toilet. But the problem is the lack of gravity. So they substitute what amounts to be a vacuum cleaner. So you sit down, and you feel like your backside is being sucked into a vacuum. So it's like a, uh, not like a bidet at all, but it is basically a a vacuum toilet. Right. That's got to be a weird sensation. It's got to be a powerful vacuum, too, I would imagine. Well, maybe not. I guess maybe, maybe an Oric. Maybe <laughs> I'm David Oric. <laughs> Once you poop in space with my with, with my custom vacuum, you'll never use another vacuum again. <laughs> now, as far as that was the best reference. That see, Tim, that's what makes the show gold right there. Mm-hmm. And you were mentioning we had Gavin Dawson in yesterday, who was yeah. uh, cruelly fired uh, by the suits at Entercom, and you were noting how. Uh, uh, like 89% of Portland media people listen to this show. Yeah. You know what? Every one of them just laughed at that David Oreck reference right there. They can all steal it for their they morning show. They all found that because joke. Because those are the only live shows left. They all they all just laughed at that. Uh, David Oreck is the best reference. That's even better than going like Kirby style. Yeah, yeah David Oreck is the way to go there. Uh, all right. Anyway, we didn't ask so, you about urination, though. No, no, no. I haven't. No, we're, we're, we're still, and I see Peter Carlin lurking in the hallway. We'll uh, finish this segment. We'll bring him in here in, the, in, a, in a short while. Um Okay, so it's a vacuum, and I guess you wouldn't need a strong vacuum because in zero gravity, the, I think the, what is it, the second law of Newtonian motion or something, where if like a, anyway, yeah, okay. 
So then the business goes into the toilet and is whisked away. The commode seat is cushioned to make it a good seal with your bottom. And then you throw on the vacuum switch. The fan pulls the nasties into a mesh bag that traps solids that allow gases to pass through. I hadn't even thought about gases. We can try this at home tonight. Okay, now, now let me ask you this. Okay, here's a question. So, I cannot believe we're having this conversation, but you're on KCMD Portland. But, um, how do I put this? Okay, so let's say you're not doing number one or number two. And the, the astronauts did practice potty training. Really? They did? Well, they would have to. It involved placing yourself in a special four-inch hole seat and sitting right in order to maintain a vacuum seal. I don't want a vacuum seal around my ass. I just don't. You know, I read. Well, the... you're not going to be an astronaut. I don't remember this being covered. <laughs> I don't remember this being covered in the right stuff for some reason. <laughs> That's true. Um, Sarah, are you paying attention so you can? Nope. Okay. Uh, so... Now the danger is if you leave the seat up while flushing. You're sucking up the spacecraft air and killing everyone. <laughs> so you can't, you, you, you can't get up from the seat before you flush. Oh, my God. So you have to stay there with the you, bed. Now you're listening now, aren't you, Sarah? You're okay, putting cool. somebody's body in with your own waist to be sucked down the toilet. Jesus. So that's why they're... Where did they're, Victor go? I don't know. I was just flushing Wait, so toilet. Now he's gone. If it has the capacity, so you flush it while you're still on. Does it flush your Correct. waist into space, or does it go it into has, a, a it container? Has the no, to pull... it, into some sort of bag. If it has the ability to like pull somebody in, if you flush it wrong, couldn't it just pull your inside? When you're done, you oh wow! Se- when you're done, you that. seal up the top of the commode and open the bowl to the vacuum of space. Okay, all right. So then, so you don't so, sit on the toilet. You get off the toilet, right. but then you have to so seal it's, it's still, the lid. It's still floating around out there. And once it comes back to the atmosphere, it could like. Destroy Cincinnati or something. <laughs> um, so, but the deal is, so you have to be very careful. You just don't flush it while you're sitting on that's it. That's why there's NASA potty training. Pull your intestines right out. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's no good. You'll end up all, uh, you'll end up all brave-hearted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, but final thing about this. So my, we'll discuss urination later in the program. No, okay, but here's my thing. So there's number one, there's number two. Mm-hmm. But then let's say there's, um, one has to expel some sort of gas. You've had, uh, it's taco night aboard the, uh, aboard the mirror. And one expels dried tacos. <laughs> one expels uh, flatus uh, from one's body. Mm-hmm. Peter's just walking into the studio. Let's just have a well, Peter he... Carlin. Maybe he can weigh on this and give the Oregonians' opinion on this. Hey, hi, how you doing, Peter Carlin? Impatient, but thank you uh, for having me. There's yeah, uh, was... there's some headphones for you. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. You're looking younger than ever. <laughs> I'm going back in time, my friend. All right. So, okay. So my question is, if you what are, are you talking about, because I overheard they were doing, they were replaying the bowel evacuation tape down the hall just now. I think you're uh, going to have to the answer. bowel evacuation tape. What? Oh, that was a, that was from yesterday when we were talking. No, about... it was like from about three minutes ago when I was driving over. Oh yeah, no. So here's the deal. Okay, so if you're in, we were talking about how uh, how one uses the bathroom in zero gravity. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, you came into the studio. I know. I you could I know. have waited out there until this was over. But I didn't know you were still talking about Talked this. about Paul Westerberg or something. We haven't discussed urination yet. No, no, no. <laughs> but my question is not even about that. My question is about if one, if there is a flatus that needs to be expelled, uh, a gas release of some kind. Oh, jeez. No, no, but listen now. Now, listen. I know. This Hear is why I'm out. tuned out. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. is interesting. Now, you, here's the thing you have never thought about. But now that I bring it up, you will all think about it, and you'll go, by God, that's interesting. So... Do you know how, like, those videos of the guy, like, drinking water in space, and what is it always in? It's in, like, a bubble, right? It's a little sphere of water that he sort of, you know, like, sort of chases in, like, while oh, okay. while Zara right. or whatever is playing. He's sort of, like, chasing little bubbles of water and, yeah, yeah. you know, like, all of those films we saw as kids where the guy is, like, drinking a bubble of orange juice that's floating through the cabin of a spaceship. So my question is, if one uh, expels uh, gas from one's body, 
does it, like on Earth, dissipate throughout the whole thing and everybody can suddenly smell it? Or well, does no, that... you're wearing a spacesuit. But, but, but I mean, if one belched, let's say, mm. does it stay uh, in a bubble? Man. Let's say you belch. Let's, you, let's put it that way. Let's say that Sarah's on the space station and she belches. Why do you always use me? <laughs> I like to be inclusive. We're a big tent here. Um, if she belches on a space station, does it stay in the form of like a, a bubble? Does you know, that mean that you wouldn't smell it unless unless you got right up in it? It doesn't dissipate. It must because there's no gravity. You're making me feel kind of sick. Here's a much more compelling question. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember space food sticks? Yeah. The sort of extruded substance. Yeah. That was like meat-like substance. Well, yeah. it wasn't even meat. It was like fudge, but it was like it had been extruded into a tube-like yeah. thing, and theoretically you could eat it in zero gravity. Yeah. And they had like 13 different flavors that you could buy on the in your grocery. And it was gritty. Shell. Yeah, it was very gritty. Very gritty. It was wrong in a variety of ways. Yeah. But at some point, and I don't know when it was, but at some point, someone who makes that stuff looked at it and said, "Hmm, we got to stop this. <laughs> this is this is just not working out. This is not. This is not working out." And you know, and the, really, the only the only call for any of that stuff now is for them to sell in the gift shop at Omsi, where you go that right next to the freeze dried ice cream. They don't have that anymore, do they? They do. They have space food sticks. Well, not not space food sticks, but they do sell a lot of sort of like freeze dried astronaut food, as they call it. No oh, man, uh, where it is where it is like a banana. It's like a banana split or something, but it's freeze dried. It's just like a block. It's like a, it's like eating chalk. You've yeah. never had that freeze-dried ice cream? Uh, you know, I was on. Uh, no, I did once, like on a Boy Scout hike. Uh, you know, years ago. But it was like, it's nasty. It's nice. like it's got... Uh... By the way, I should say that we're talking to... Uh... Uh... Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Thank you very much. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. All right, excellent. Uh, well, let's just do a couple of these here. Oh, God. This is going to be one of those things. This is going to be like talking about Ron Paul. I mentioned the electric car, and suddenly now it's just going to be a whole bunch of guys telling me how Roger Smith and, like, the Trilateral Commission... Got we start talking stuff. about poop. Well, I can always go back to that if this electric car thing is boring. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, guys, it's Mel and Brian. Hello, I was, uh, doing some pruning on my route today. Okay. Uh, that was a reference to the story yesterday. Yes, about... the mailman who was cutting down trees. Yeah, what an idiot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, um, let me ask I you had... this. Hold on, let yes, me just ask you this. And you can sure. just answer this with a yes or no. You don't have to use names. Yeah. Do you work with anybody that you think is unstable? Absolutely. Okay, just checking. All right. Yeah. Well, doesn't everybody, though? Yeah, I suppose. All right. Well. Uh, so I had a, uh, three observations. Um, you could uh, the conversation about the uh, toilets in space and stuff. You, uh, that would uh, poops in space as opposed to. No, no, no. It's this is part of science and technology. It's uh, we are filling the brains of the young. Look, that homeschooled Andy kid that called us the other day. Right now, uh, he is becoming. He can feel new wrinkles in his brain just as we speak. What with the, the knowledge he's accumulating. So his folds are getting deeper. Folds are getting deeper. That's the worst <laughs> phrase I've ever heard. That guy's folds are getting deeper every day. And the only really funny thing I had to say, at least for this at this point in time, was the you need to do sort of a montage of the Ted Kennedy, Obama, whatever thing with the talking stain kind of morphed in together because uh, there is similar qualities. To where, where, where Kennedy is doing that? Uh, the uh, hold on now. See now I've now I've put it away. Hold on, I got to find the oh. Kennedy. You mean where he's screaming the uh, Obama that? Yeah, I think maybe that one. Or perhaps the the most recent. Uh, uh, maybe some of his singing too. Perhaps. Uh, all right, thank you, sir. All right, there you go. That guy. Here's the Barack Obama. That's wonderful. You know, it's sort of the thing about that, though. What you're doing now, sir. Wait, oh, my part. Oh, God, me, sir. All right, all right David. No, Simon. the unfair Howard thing Dean. in 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 my modern part of problem. What? No. You see, here's the thing. What happens? And it was the same thing. I heard you played a little snippet of the Howard Dean thing too, where he sounds like it, where. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's the one. Thank you very much. But it's like, you know, in the context of the room where he was, it was like, I think that made perfect sense. It was only was when it was, like, isolated on the mic and you couldn't hear the crowd noise where it sounded, like, extra crazy. And I don't know what was going on with Ted Kennedy there. It's hard to explain how that was he's rational. He's like a thousand years old and drunk. Well, I don't think he's drunk anymore. That's <laughs> the thing. Sort of a it's just, it's just, it's sober. It's That's bad judgment. Common. It's a sober. Is bad it a judgment. cumulative intoxication? Do you think? I don't. That's, All right. that's I, don't know. I might be wrong, but this is our medium. This uh, is seriously, that's true. Right I know. <laughs> No, you know, Sarah, and Sarah has pointed out, look, I'm not going to say that I feel bad about the Howard Dean thing as such. I mean, that's probably the wrong way it to put the, it. We should feel bad. It was our fault. But we, but we really problem. are part of the problem. No, I'll absolutely give you yeah. that. We're, we're completely part of the problem. Oh, my God. Um, I used to have, I don't know where I put it, I had the whole Dean speech. Oh, man. Do you know what I mean? Oh. We, we played before. It's the whole thing. And what's amazing about when you listen to that Dean scream, which really is just... Which really is like the best thing. You know what we should do, Sarah? Do you remember that little uh, on, yes, that little yes, on the fly mashup we yes. did? All right. Uh, let me let me get that ready here, and we'll uh, let's see. Um, I have the speech. Okay. Play the whole speech if you would. I have it. Uh, now here's the weird thing about it. Listen to listen to this whole speech. Uh-huh. And even in the context of the speech, the funny thing about that scream is it does come out of nowhere. It, it's like he does. I mean, I, I mean, it's just real, isn't it? Yeah, okay. I mean, I know that. And look, don't even let me back up. How long of a speech are we just? It's like forty seconds. We're gonna belt it's in. It's twenty here? seconds. It's, oh, okay. okay, but, but you can but, but Before we do, let me just. Yes, yeah, short attention span. Mm-hmm. So let me just say this. What? First of all, I like and liked Howard Dean. I thought he was electable. All right. I thought he was. Uh, he until would, he opened his mouth. He would have gotten. He if he had been on the ticket, he would have gotten my vote. Uh-huh. Uh, all of that. I think he would have creamed Bush. Um. I, I think all of these things. Yeah. Um, but and and I understand. And look, I, I you know we do stuff here. I've done live events. I've we do listener parties where we're all kind of screaming and yelling and everybody rock and roll, whatever. I understand what sounds good in a room full of drunken okay. maniacs doesn't play on the air. All of that being said, the scream still comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Even as he is ramping well, up, the scream sounds like it was pasted in by somebody using like Adobe Audition. Let's give it a listen. Let's see right. if you're right. All right. Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin. We're going to South Carolina, and Oklahoma, and Arizona, and North Dakota, and New Mexico. We're going to California, and Texas, and New York. We're going to South Dakota, and Oregon, and Washington, and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! <laughs> no, I still, you know what? I'm still telling you. It just, I just don't, to me, out of context, it sounds completely lunatic. Oh, yeah. I'll give you that <laughs> it sounds like it was pasted. It does. It sounds like it was put in from another speech. It sounds like a completely different person. Yeah. It doesn't well, sound like you know, it. do you think the day has gone by when that poor son of a bitch hasn't uh hasn't Oh, man. Thought, well, you know the people uh, come up to him in the, in the street. And just, yeah! <laughs> I mean, look. Yeah, who doesn't get that, though? How, how long ago was that? What That would have been, what, 2003? Four. 2004. It was the, it was the last... It was the Iowa caucus, wasn't it, or the New Hampshire? It was I, one of the early. I think it was the Iowa caucus. Because now I don't remember exactly what it, was, it would have been in early February or late January of '04. Oh, it really was. I mean, I remember. Uh, I didn't see it live. You know, it's like I, I keep telling people now. It's like the difference between Obama and Dean were kind of in exactly the same position at the beginning of their election year, which is where a lot of people were looking at them saying. Well, that's interesting. I wonder if it's going to work out. With Howard Dean, it was like, 
three days. Yeah. It's like, nah, not going to work out. <laughs> That's not going to work Obama out. is still rolling right along. So, uh, Well, let's get a couple of these calls. Uh, it, it, busy uh, 90 minutes coming up. So we'll, uh, Peter Cardinal from the Oregonian is here. Uh, uh, Aaron Geek in the City Duran uh, is going to be here. Talk about the He's got a film review. They'll talk about the film awards happening this weekend. We're going to talk to Don Horn, who is the writer-director of Nancy and Tanya, uh, a rock oh, musical. Right which on. opened last night, I guess, to... I don't know what the reviews were, but I guess Tanya herself was there, which is the reason I care about it. So that opened yesterday. We'll talk to him uh, in a skosh. And let's do a couple of these, and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Please don't be boring. Hey, Rick. How are you doing today? What's up? Hey, I definitely believe that the Clinton-Obama ticket would definitely be a slam dunk for the Democratic Party, but that's not why I called. But uh, anyway, on the electric cars, they do have one out. It's called Tesla Motors Corporation out of California. Um, Tesla? Tesla rocks. Yep. And it uh, goes zero to sixty in like four point six seconds. Beats a Ferrari based off uh, a Lotus Elise. Can I just um, tell you this? Can I just back up for a second? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, and I know that maybe I'm less of a man uh, than I ought to be, but like, here's the thing: when guys go, no, it goes zero to sixty and four. Like, I don't look as long as I don't have to pay like twelve dollars a gallon or whatever it's going to be, you know, next summer. I don't care. You know what? It could take me fifteen minutes to get up to sixty miles an hour. I am a cheap bastard. As long as I don't have to buy gas, that's all I care about. Well, you won't want to buy it then because it's about $98,000. Oh, so. well, all right. Um, you <laughs> Early know, but, adopter, man. Yeah. And the battery the battery to replace it is going to cost about, <clears throat> excuse me, $20,000. <clears> the reason being is battery technology. I'm in the, I work for one of the largest battery manufacturers on the planet, and batteries haven't changed since the early 1800s. I mean, there's been some tweaks and changes, but there haven't been a lot of major leaps and bounds in technology change for batteries. Um, there's two gentlemen that uh, from MIT that started a company in Boston, and they actually – we're working on something else. Have come up with a new battery technology and have actually sold it to a lot of the major battery companies. And a GM have already bought into oh, okay, it. And let me ask you that this. money. And, and again, I'm not trying to be difficult. I really am just not that bright. And there's things we just spent 40 minutes about how astronauts poop in space. So I really don't understand <laughs> most things. My brain is very small, and the knowledge uh, you know that is in there is basically all just like uh, Gilmore Girls and Led Zeppelin. So I got I got no room left over for science or. Like, my wife is playing some online game the other day. It's like a Flash game where they, they put up the name of a country, and, like, you have to find it and click on it on the map or something. Oh. And it's like I got zero out of 50 or something. <laughs> I just didn't know where anything was. So let me ask you this. To go back to my golf cart analogy, you got a golf cart. You plug it into the wall. And now, I realize a golf cart is not a car as such. But you plug it into the wall. It charges. You drive it around. It goes at a, you know, a fairly decent clip. Uh, when you're done, stick it back into the wall. It's good to go again. Why can't they just make a car that does that? Well, they actually can, but the range, like on the Tesla, is only about 220 miles, which is fine for most people if you commute in the city. But, like, I drive about 40,000 miles a year for my company. Right. Um, so it doesn't work for me. And most commuter, most people who are just normal commuting, it would work for but to get it on a mass production, to get it cheap enough is part of the problem, um, you know, just because whatever. With the oil company, you can't collapse the oil market overnight, so you've got to slowly integrate this in. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, this should have been around. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't have 98 grand to throw down, but, I mean, I would, if you could get me so, – even if it was only something that I could use in the city. You can actually – there's a couple gentlemen here in the city that were in, like, Popular Science a couple months ago that actually make them. One of them actually turned an old mail truck and put an electric motor into it and drives it back and forth to work. He's not a mailman. Yeah, so. no, no, this is all stuff that I would, but it's like when, it is, but I do fall victim to that thing of wanting it to have, like I was, I was, just, I was just making fun of the zero to 64 right. seconds or whatever. When my wife and I looked at hybrids a few years ago, it was the Honda Civic, I think it was, 
that they had rolled out the hybrid for. And it just, it, I mean, you know, it was all that had the quiet yeah. engine and it lets you stick it to, uh, you know, religious nutcases and, you know, whatever. It's a great car. But, man, it just, on the inside, it just looked like crap. It just was terrible inside. And I was like, no, 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 it's, doesn't it, this no, the seat doesn't feel right against the backs of my backs of my thighs. I have to. I'll come back in a few years when you've got different upholstery. So I you, do. You can take any car and convert it over to electric. You can take any car that you're whatever you're driving now, not your old truck that's on its last leg from the 1900s. But you can take almost any car and convert it over. Just take the engine out and get yourself an electric spool motor, is what it's called, and a set of normal car batteries. You're going to need about six to ten of them, though, and wire right. them together. All right. So make yourself an electric car. And we have to we have to draw the curtain down on this. But uh, bottom line, if I wanted to take my uh, my regular like my Ford or whatever, yeah. uh, you know, it's 2004, and just make it electric. How much is that going to cost me? Uh, you know, you're, you're, you can do it fairly reasonable for about ten to twelve grand, but you know, you've got to have somebody take it all out. So if you know how to do it yourself, it's only going to run you about ten or twelve grand. Pick the spool motor and the batteries and the wiring and everything. So. All right, all right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Right, have a great show. All right, there you go. Uh, all right, well, uh, let me see if I can get this to uh, to roll over here. All right, we uh, we'll be back here. We've got Peter Carlin who uh, is in the studio with us. Uh, we have uh, Don Horn, who is the writer-director of Nancy and Tanya, a rock musical. Aaron Geek in the city. Duran will be here. James Roop coming up later on. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. We will uh, return here in just a yes. This one's just for Pete. Phones go on now. That's right. how you can tell. We're back. Let me we, just tell you this. Uh, are we back on the air? We're here with Peter Carlin. I'll stop swearing like a sailor then. Here with Peter Carlin for the Oregonian. I used to work in a radio station. I keep wanting to get one of these for here. I don't think, I think it would be distracting after a while, so it would have to be a solid light. But I worked in a, uh, I love this song. You work standing up. I, I work in a, uh, yeah. I'm going to stand up. Is that I cool? used to work at a radio station, though, like a music station, where when you would turn on the light, a red, like one of those red police lights would go on, the ones that like sort of circle around. Yeah. And it was actually, you could never be, you know, you never mistook when you were on the air when you weren't. I don't think we could have a flashing line in here. It would just be too much. But I've thought about just getting a big red light mounted on this wall that goes on. So don't that stop you... at the light, though. Get a siren, too. Yeah, but then you wouldn't hear it. 
No, have it in the studio. I see. Just an air horn. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, before we uh, talk to Don Horn here, let me note my Ralph Wiggum uh, fun fact. We're talking about Ralph Wiggum during mm-hmm. the break, because we'll talk to you about The Simpsons here in a second. Ralph, this is what it is. It turns out that George W. Bush's character is based on Ralph Wiggum. <laughs> the... Uh, I was going to say that uh, Matt Granning apparently has said, we were talking about the Twilight Zone episode, Talking Tina, earlier uh, today, and apparently Ralph Wiggum's voice is based on June Foray's performance as Talking Tina. No way. Let's listen to a little Talking Tina, shall we? Let me just, uh, hold on, is this, uh... Hold on, I got it. Well, that's kind of, that's kind of creepy because now I'm picturing Ralph Wiggum like you know like two knuckles deep up his own nose uh, holding a knife. Did you see the? Uh, there was an episode though where remember that was one of the famous Halloween episodes with the talking crusty that goes crazy. And oh tries right, to kill, right. Well, uh, that pro- that probably is where this is from. Then, yeah. If Granning yeah, is a yeah, Twilight Zone yeah, fan. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show uh, from TriangleProductions.org. Uh, uh, founder and managing director of Triangle Productions, and the man behind Tanya and Nancy, the rock opera, uh, Don Horn. Hello, sir. Hi, how are you doing? I am rolling, brother. How's life? How are things? Congratulations on a successful opening last night. Thank you. It was quite fun. All right, so let's so let's back up here. Now, I, I want to make sure I'm kind of getting uh, everything uh, straight. So you are uh, you are uh, the, the the director, the writer, the mastermind, the whatever. What is it? How did this all come about? And what uh, are you? What role in, do you play in all of this? Are you just the general Svengali? Oh no! Well, I'm the buck stops here guy. Excellent. I do the box office. I do the you know ticket taking. I I co-wrote the show. I you know directed it. I produced it. I did the sets. Did the props. So what more do you need, right? Uh, <laughs> and so this is how long has this been in the works? Um, about a year and a half. It actually was about two years ago. But it was a chamber opera, and then I took it over to make it a rock opera. And this is, does this just tell the story of uh, the kneecapping by uh, Jeff Galuli or whoever it was, or is this, uh, does this follow Nancy and Tanya before that event or after the event? It actually starts off when they're like three and six years old, Tanya's three, Nancy's six, all the way up to present-day boxing, and Nancy, of course, having three children. Fantastic. Uh, do you, but you, now, this is this didn't start here, though. This actually this was workshopped or, or tested or something on the East Coast, right? Well, it was a chamber opera in Massachusetts. Okay. Close to Nancy's house, actually. Excellent. Uh, does the uh, does this uh, Tanya Nancy Rock Opera does it paint uh, Tanya as the villain that sort of the national press does, or does it have is it more of a sympathetic portrayal of her? Well, Jack, to me, Jeff Galuli is the, the the villain here. Well, he's got the worst name in the history. Of Hello. Names. Well, he changed it to Stone, of course. <laughs> See, he changed he changed it to what did he to Jeff Stone? Yeah, it's like a porn name. I was Why? just gonna say, which makes it sound like he's uh, gonna be working underneath Peter North. Uh, hello, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that it isn't sympathetic. What it does is try to tell the story as best as we can. And so this is going to be playing uh, at the World Trade Center, the, the location down the street, actually from CBS. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long is it going to be? Uh, is it going to be running there? For three weeks with a possible extension. Did uh, Tanya come to this last night? She came. Yeah, we actually um, hung out afterwards with the cast. She went to play video poker and won two hundred fifty bucks. <laughs> video what now? <laughs> video poker. Oh, poker. Yeah, I, uh, of course she played video poker. No, of course she did. Of course I mean, she did. Uh, I have to say this to the people who listen to my uh, show. I've been here. In, I've been in Portland uh, for, uh, since about '98, and I'm a big fan of Tanya Harding. I always have been, just because. 
just because she's so uh, just unrepentantly trashy. Do you know what I mean? And she was the best kind of trash. She was trash who who really was uh, at the same time blessed with this really miraculous talent, mm. and which uh, had unfortunately sort of been lost in the wash of the scandal that's enveloped her. Well, that's what I was trying to get to is that the talent is what we're trying to prove is that they both were very talented. They both got to the Olympics twice. That's rare. I remember uh, all of those news stories before the bloom was off the rose with Tanya Harding, where, you know, the, the, the triple axel and the whatever, but it was also that, you know, while everybody else is out there, the skating to, uh, you know, to, to something from Fantasia, and she was out there the skating to ZZ Top all chain-smoking cools. Right. I mean, it really was fantastic. It was just like you expected her to be sitting there it's lacing up her skates and crunching on a handful of fist, fist sticks. You know, it really was wonderful. But she also is an asthmatic, too. I didn't know that, really. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got somebody who smokes and is asthmatic, who skates and also boxes. You uh, know. What did she? Uh, what, what kind of physical condition is Tony Harding? Does she look like she could uh, throw a roundhouse at you? She's 121 pounds. She's very proud of that, um, and she has. Yeah, she can definitely punch you. It is. Uh, I, I've always felt. Uh, I don't know if affection is the, is the right word because that makes it sound like you I'm stalking always, her. No, you've always loved Tony. I, I do. Well. I do just because there is there is part of me that um, uh, I have uh, what my wife charitably refers to as a class issues, uh, and there is part of me that has always really loved Tanya Harding because she came from a sort of social strata, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in which people are expected to accomplish almost nothing. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and when you do, when someone who comes from, let's say, challenging economic circumstances or a, uh, a tumultuous upbringing, when they do achieve something, they're always treated like a novelty act, you know, like a dog that can play the piano. Um, and so I always loved the fact that she really, at least for a period of time, was really able to kind of stick it to her detractors. I've always loved that about her. So, uh, in any event. Well, you know, I met her on Valentine's night. She was drinking her beer. I was drinking my coffee. And we had a long conversation about that. And she goes, I think I was misunderstood because I was out there to skate. What happened around me, the press really had a, you know, like a hurricane. Right. And she goes, they didn't notice that I skated. Sure. Of they course. were noticing about everything else. No, she she was no longer a skater who made news. She was a news figure who sometimes skated. Exactly. What uh, kind of beer does she drink? Well, you know, I've seen her with a couple different. So, you know, she drinks the beer, I can tell you that. <laughs> Excellent. Um, all right, it is triangleproductions.org. Is that the, the place to go to it's find out more about this? Tripro.org. Oh, I'm sorry. Tripro, T-R-I-P-R-O? Yes. Tripro.org. Uh, it is uh, ta uh, Tanya and Nancy, The Rock Opera. Uh, so Don Horn, continued success, and uh, congratulations you. again on the big opening. Thank well, you, sir. Come on down and see it if you want to see I'm it. I'm absolutely going to do that. My wife and I will definitely make an night of it at some point. Great. Thank you, my friend. Take care. All right, there you go. There's Don Horn. Richie, can you uh, double-check with him, make sure we've got all of his appropriate contact info? All right, that guy was cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Perfect. Excellent. Fantastic. That's really awesome. You know, I went to this uh, in 1994 when that whole story had just exploded. I went to this... Um, dinner that a friend of mine, um, I don't know, it was at the Multnomah Athletic Club, and it was like for Tanya supporters, right. and Tanya was there. It was like this huge dinner, and um, and so we went, like, ironically, because it was like... Of course you did. Of course we did. And we thought there were going to be other people there, but there were the, but here's the crazy thing. We saw these two guys, like, in jodhpurs and dressed up, like, and they seemed to be, yeah, I in, mean, I don't... In, in what? What? Like, riding pants. Riding like pants. Like, English riding yeah, pants? Yeah, breeches. Okay, and they were, and we thought, oh, they're ironic too. But it turned out, no, they were her florist. <laughs> they were, they were <laughs> florist. I know, but really, then, but check it out. Ass. 
No, no, no. The story gets way better. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. This is this crazy story. It totally happened. No, uh -huh. I'm totally. I'm totally. Okay. So there was a big line. You were supposed to pay five dollars to take a Polaroid with with Tanya. Right. So I have a Polaroid of me and and the missus. Oh, so see, why do you get that? Why do you have a photograph of you and Tanya? And I've been trying to get her on the show for ten years. Well, because you didn't pay the five bucks. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad. Well, so wait, wait, wait. On her life. Anyway, but at one I'm point, sorry, at one point, this woman, and this is at the the the, the the depths of the scandal. Right. I mean, this is when all hell is breaking loose around right. Tanya. And, and everybody, it's like everyone's throwing down and she's just on the ground. And But anyway, there's this big line of people lined up to get the photos and everything. But suddenly this one woman, this mom-type woman, stage mom-looking woman, ushers this young woman, this young girl who's like 12 years old, 11 years old, to the front of the line. And it's like this girl's a skater, clearly. And so they're having right. like a meeting and a handshaking and a you know gripping grin and the whole thing. And it looks very staged and very like this is an important moment for this girl right so anyway that happens i thought well that's interesting time passes we're at the dinner there's a big dinner so you know it's an elegant dinner thing it's seated dinner right and there's right. lots of tables it's like a big thing it's like you know and we're sitting there and uh we're toward the back of the room and anyway and i'm sitting there and they've just brought the salads out and i'm about to dig into my little salad and i see that girl the same girl the young girl and mom's got her, and she's ushering her toward the door. And now girl's got her hands over her face. And then she stops. And she's pale as a sheet. And, and, and so something, this poor young child was unwell. And she paused at the foot of our table and hurled all over the ground. Oh. I like any story that ends in vomit. And, and, and I'm sitting there with my fork, like, poised in midair. And I'm wondering, did that just happen? Wonderful. Excellent. They are uh, uh, children are America's greatest natural. I don't know resource. where that kid is now. You know, she's got to be in her twenties oh. somewhere, and I just, I just hope she's well. Well, you know, here's and it's. it's I always, hope she's feeling better. The phenomenon <laughs> of of meeting people like that, and the whole thing of charging for photos. That's a pretty recent development in our history. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't get the feeling that Clark Gable uh, was doing that. I remember, um, I told the story to somebody the other day. I went, uh, you know, Mike Clark's movie Madness, that store in Belmont. Yeah, Belmont 41st. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, perhaps the greatest video store in America. Mm. Um, so Linda Blair of Exorcist fame was going to be there, and uh, and she was there pitching. She was pushing like a vegan cookbook. No way. And, yeah, she was. And the, the deal was, and it was such an assembly line. And of course, it's just like endless nerds, uh, you know, like like myself uh, who remember her from Exorcist 2, The Heretic, lined up, uh, and from Chained Heat, by the way, is it Chained Heat or Caged Heat? I think it was Chained Heat. I think Cage Deep was that uh, Charlie's Angels episode. How, anyway, how's she looking these days? No, bad man, bad like the Crypt Keeper, bad. Um, so we're in line. That was that was what I was going to get to. So we're in line. It's first of all, it's fifteen goddamn dollars to have her give you an autograph. Whoa. And no, but here's the thing. No so way. Here's, no, no, no. Here's so here's the rub. So she's in a video store. She is not, but she's there pitching her book, and clearly the implication is like no you one will have her. Book? Like no, like Borders won't have her. Oh. Powell's won't have her. Come on. She's at the movie store. It's fifteen bucks for the autograph, and you gotta have the book. In other words, you also have to purchase the book. So you basically have to buy the book, then you have to pay for the autograph. See, that's lame, man. You and gotta just buy the book. You've that's seen the all these guys who were Who's there, getting the fifteen bucks, holding the book, and then also a can of like pea soup for her to sign, of course. And she wouldn't sign no, that. And I, and I understand that she's probably sick of being identified with the exorcist and whatever. But we, we all, you know, we all got problems. You know, it could be worse. You could be working, uh, you know, pouring hot concrete somewhere. So she's there and just bad and just leathery and just really? like way all like bony, like Nancy Reagan bony with too little skin over too much skull and uh, all of that. And um, the worst part is 
these guys who, you know, as geeky as they may be, guys who maybe had a crush on her growing up, or they felt some sort of, you know, some sort of whatever for her, you know, because in the, you know, in a small, in a small niche of the American film-going world, she's, you know, she's kind of a big deal, I guess, maybe. A nice Catholic girl whose head um, could spin around, do a three sixty on they her shoulders. Get up there, and these guys would sputter out that, you know, oh, I'm just a, oh, I'm a really big fan, and I. I got all of it. And she would just grab the book and, uh, next. And she actually would say. Was there a line of people? Oh, waiting? dude, it was like all the way back. No way. Um, yeah. And at a certain point, I was just like, F this. And so I put the book down and I got out of the line and I stood. It was more interesting to just watch yeah, the yeah. guys get up there because she Did was. Did you have to hand her the cash? Uh, no, there was a guy next to her. The deal was, and the thing is, she wouldn't even make eye contact. The thing is, so she's sitting at like a card table. And there's a guy standing next to her with, a, you know, the little like lockable, like the money box. And the deal is you would get up there, mm-hmm. the guy would say, $15. You would hand him the 15 He would put it in there. Once it was in, you would put the book in, the, whatever, in front of her. She would, without even looking up, she would open the front cover, Linda Blair, and then she would kind of shut it, shove it, and say, next. Wow. And I mean, lame. it was just such a bad assembly line. That's of so lame. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was all kind of uh, I lined up uh, at Music Millennium a few years ago to meet and talk to Paul Westerberg. No. Behold my shock. Oh, yeah. You know, can I just tell you this? And I'm right. not trying to poke fun. I'm just saying. I didn't know if you were going to come in with the top five today, which apparently you have. Yeah. But what I was going to do is I was going to do the top five artists that I am almost certain you like, although I have never heard you say that you do. Oh, okay. Well, it was, who's you know, on the list? Who's sort on of, the list? You know, it was going to be, in other words, like a top five. It was going to be sort of like the top five bands all rock snobs must, you know, like sure, sure, go sure. on about. Okay. It was going to be Paul Westerberg. Yeah. Elvis Costello. Uh, okay. uh, Velvet Underground. Oh yeah. Yeah. See, so there's three right now. I don't know. I don't know what the other two would have been. Um, hold on. Uh, and I know you like Springsteen. Wouldn't count. You're a big, big fan of Springsteen. Um, boy, it seems like there's got to be. It seems like there's got to be somebody else that like all rock snobs are are legally required to like. Well, oh my God, where do you stop? Ah, Jesus, I don't know. But uh, there's so many people who are like, I'm totally on. Captain Beefheart. Nope. Okay, really? Nope. Thank God. Thank God for that. Tuneless. Yeah. No, no, no. I can be able to see. Though I, you got to admire it, though, because he's weird as all get I gotta, You know, here's the thing about Captain Beefheart. I admire the fact that he has swindled an entire subculture of the rock world into mindlessly spouting how great his crap is. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, well, let's do a couple. Of, is it 2 o'clock? It really is. Jesus, God. All right, here's what we got to get done. So, Peter Carlin is here. What is your top five, Peter Carlin? It's, you know, I'm working on that book about Paul McCartney. Please so... tell me these songs are clean. Yes. Okay. The, it's, oh, it's, that yes went on a little too long. We've had issues before with people coming on the program a, giving us... <laughs> Peter Cullen, you're crazy. Giving us a top five that is then laden with profanity. Nope. Nope. Okay. No profanity on so this So what part. is this top five? It's the top five uh, 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 hard rock and Paul McCartney songs after the Beatles that you sh- that you got to like. Okay. The underrated are enough. All right. Uh, and I have... know I'm sort of lame, but, you know, I do like Paul Westerberg, so how bad could I be? No. And, and if... Paul Westerberg is my MySpace song right now. What, what is song? it? What song? Dyslexic Dys- Heart? Yeah, Dyslexic Heart. Yeah, that's a great song. Um, uh, that's why, you know, that's why in the movie Heathers, Winona Ryder goes to Westerberg High. Yeah. Yeah, it's all because... You know, because was... Winona Ryder was obsessed with him and followed him around. Yeah. I heard he had to get a restraining order. You what? didn't hear that. Get out. I didn't. I just made it oh, up. Oh, you bastard. No, because they totally... Uh, they no, were, but I heard, it was, I, I, heard it was, I heard it was awkward. I heard that she was following him around and he, after a certain amount of time, he wished to not be followed. Well, it's, but I don't know. I don't know where I hear this well, especially stuff Especially because he was like 40 at the time and I think she was like 22 or something. Well, I get that no, he that, wasn't 40 I don't think anybody's too old for Winona Well, that's what I'm though. saying. Like, she doesn't have a cutoff date. Don't you get the... <laughs> sell-by? A sell-by date? <laughs> don't you get the feeling that when she got famous, she did what a lot of guys do. When she got famous, she just made a list and then she started working her way through it. 
You know what I mean? Well, we like you? every guy with a guitar. Oh no, absolutely. Don't give me. I mean, look, yeah. I'm not begrudging her that right. Sure. Sisters got to do it for themselves sometimes. <laughs> um, you know what I'm talking about. Don Horn will be with me on that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I'm not going to say, is this me? It is you. You just did. Oh, no. You're Uh, fumbling, sir. Regain. Stop. (laughs) I'm just just screwing with him. What do you you got? Well, I saw saw, saw something strange. I saw some woman just flashing herself out of Gresham. Wait, hold on. Sir, what? Let's stop. Are you wearing a retainer? No. Okay. I'm walking. He's walking. (laughs) He's in motion. Jesus. All right. All right. I'm walking into a Walmart. Uh-huh. Feel my IQ dropping. Let's stop now. And we're going to reset. Let's begin this call again. Maybe we should repick them up. And here's what I want you to do. Speak a little more. Uh, just, you know, to try to try to speak more a little more clearly. Maybe it's, maybe it's the connection we have, okay? So okay. here's the deal. I'm going to say, hello. That will be your cue to begin this call from the beginning. Okay? All right. All right. <clears throat> Why, hello there. Hello. Hi, hello. what's up? Well, I saw a woman flashing over in Gresham. You saw a woman flashing, flashing over on Gresham? Yeah. What, what do you mean why. on Gresham? Well, she was standing on one of the side streets. She was just, just exposing. I don't know why. Wait, was she in a car? Yeah, you can't just gloss over this. So where, what were you doing? Were you driving? Yes. Okay. What was, the, what was the street, sir? Uh, I can't remember, honestly. Somewhere in Gresham. Was she in a car or standing on the street? She was just standing on the street. On a corner? Yep. Top, like totally topless? No, she was just pulling down her bra. What, uh, was she with somebody else? Nope. Okay, what kind of out, I mean, did she have jeans on? Did she have a shirt? Uh, I didn't really just, I sort of went, okay, there. Bye. Now, uh, did I you just, not, wait, I have a quick question for Rick. Did you seriously expect this guy to be looking at the street signs while that was going on? No, but uh, but okay. I, but, uh, but what I am surprised is that you didn't stop to look longer. I mean, it seems like you almost, like you didn't even really see it. I mean, I'm not I'm, saying, it seems like you only saw it sort of glancingly. Well, I had one person stop in front of me. I was, I was just wanting to go. I got geek things to do. <laughs> I, had, well, I had to get to Walmart. I don't have time for breasts. Did she I'm... seem to be unwell? Did she seem to be... Was she talking to herself? In the middle of a manic episode? Yeah, why not? Let me ask you this. Uh, were the bosoms attractive? No, they were small. Well, well small doesn't necessarily mean not, unattractive, sir. Yeah. Small-bosomed women everywhere are taking great offense. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, she looked more. She looked more like a uh, transsexual than anything else. Now, how? First of all, okay. What would you say made her look like a transsexual? Was she tall? No, it just it just didn't, it didn't look right. Mm. I don't see this all the time. Let me ask you this: How how old are you, sir? Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Mm. All right. What were you going to Walmart to buy? Uh, some diecast car things to store some stuff in. Some 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 diecast car things. It's basically to store some stuff in. Those usually the best items because they're. But when you say die-cast cars, are you talking about small collectible cars? Yeah, but I'm not using it. I'm not using it for that purpose. You're not. What, what are you, you, you going to store? Them? So you're buying something that is used to store die-cast collectible cars, but instead you're going to be storing something else. Are you going to be storing a variety of human teeth? Yeah, so why not? Really Locks of hair, perhaps. Nah, that's, that's really hard to store. All right. Did you really just? Did you call to tell us about the flashing? Well, no, and also I appreciate your guys' show because. It helps me get through my job. What is your What is your job, sir? I work please tell me that you uh, Please tell me that you deal with the public on the telephone every day. Uh, no, I just I deal with I deal with the public in general sometimes. You deal with I'm sorry with what? I deal with the public in general. If we stick Tim Riley in the place I work, he'll just go crazy. Uh, it, what What is the What type of business do you do? 
I'm a security guard. You're a security oh. guard. I see. Uh, when is that? Have you ever had to take anybody down? No. Do you feel like you? you? I'm sorry. And there's times I wish. Are you packing heat? Do you, yeah. Do, do, what is what is the? Uh, if you had to take somebody down, with what would you do it? Are you armed with maybe a pepper spray or do you something? Have a taser. I can't give out that information. Oh. Now we don't even know your name. Are you saying now? Are you <laughs> saying that to be? Are you saying that to be kooky? No, I'm just saying I can't give out that information. Are you really not allowed to tell people what you're carrying? Couldn't I see it if I just walked up to you? Well, maybe. This guy is the director of the CIA. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Your house. All right, excellent, sir. Uh, how long have you been listening to the program? Uh, since, I think, like April 2005. Excellent. All right. Do you spread the word about the show, sir? Like a plague. <laughs> like perhaps Ebola? Yeah, sure. Why not? Or maybe the Motabo virus. Yeah, we'll go with the plate. That went and that killed more. All right, excellent. Uh, what is your name, sir? Keanu. Keanu, all right. Thank you so much, my friend. You call us anytime. Bye. All right, there you go. Hey, man, did I tell you, can I tell you a story about listeners of your show? Okay, but... Is it going to be a There was so story? much... No, here's the thing. I, no, I sensed that as we got into the call, maybe from various factions, there was maybe a little bit of eye-rolling, like, uh, what is this call? But there was... Here's the thing. It may not seem it to look at that guy or to look at that call. There was so much content in that call. I could have made an entire show out of that call. Yeah. There was so much good stuff in right. that call. We didn't even crack open the what are you putting in the die cast car. No, boxes. we didn't even get to that or to the fact that he didn't stop to see a woman who was showing her breasts to all passersby. There's probably a reason. She's probably like a mentally retarded woman and he could tell. You know, breasts aren't retarded, Sarah. Well, your brain People might be. Your speech no. patterns may be. Breasts are never retarded. Oh, I'm so, so wrong with could you. you. Could you pick retarded breasts out of a lineup? I don't think so. Unless they're covered in Stop peanut talking. butter or something. Yes. <laughs> Use a napkin. <laughs> Hi, Peter Carlin. All right. All right. Are these the days when your uh, editor is really glad that you're here? My the media. slightest idea where I am right now. Excellent. Good times. All right. Let's take a break. We come back. James Roop will give us a little bit of heads up on the Oscars. Uh, Tim Riley has more news. Aaron Geek in the city. Duran joins us. And we are here with Peter Carlin and his top five. Yo, man. Okay. Is that still on the air? Can you hear that? How we're still on the air now? Are we still? Oh, Jesus. Okay. No, I'm good. I think I knew we were on the air. All right. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Here's what's uh, in the pipeline, as they say. In a few minutes, we'll talk to a CNN Radio correspondent, James Rule. Tell us uh, what's going on with the Oscars this Sunday. Uh, and uh, I guess they finally served that restraining order on what's his name? The drugger, Sam Lufty. And I guess the LAPD, the Robbery Homicide Division, uh, is looking into whether or not he was uh, a slipping Britney Spears and Mickey. He's so creepy looking. He's a completely weird Ugh. looking guy. Um, kind of looks like a dinosaur to me. And let me just tell you this. It is interesting to note, even now that we all know what Britney really looks mm -hmm. like, how some of magazines, some tabloids are kind of clinging to the fiction. You know what I mean? What fiction? Uh, that she's attractive. So I was sort of... Uh, what does she look like now? Is she too thin or too... She looks like she looks like something bloated that the crows have been pecking. Ooh. So, yeah, she's not looking too No, well. I mean, she just looks big and spotty. I mean, there's no getting around. Look, not like I'm any prize, but I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not a celebrity who rose to fame on the strength of my good looks. So uh, well, it's pure talent for me, Peter Carlin. You weren't made into a child star. No. That would turn your head around. 
I suppose. I'm just saying uh, she she's just big and greasy and frequently showing her vagina. And the but and she's the, like will not let go of these hair extensions. So she yeah. always looks dirty. She's got the bad weave. She has like yeah. yeah she has her hair you know, her actual hair is like three inches long but she has other hair attached to it so it always looks like she has these weird dreadlocks. Yeah, unless you think yeah. we're just being needlessly cruel here. Uh, I, I, like I'm not saying everybody has to look perfect. I I understand that the, the, the Hollywood celebrity machine in America sort of uh, tries to stamp onto many women, especially women in the public eye, sort of undefinable. Or not that you know an unattainable standard standard of beauty. Uh-huh. That's not it. It's that Britney Spears doesn't wash. I mean, clearly that's where we're at with her. See, I think that girl. I think what she needs to do is go to college, and I think that what she needs to do is then like discover that she has this incredible affinity for like philosophy, for the existentialist, and that she becomes eventually a an adjunct professor of of philosophy at in the Pomona system. And then goes into Star and Roadhouse 3. I was just going to say, does this, does this have to be in a movie where Joe Pesci is one of the professors who teaches her how to care? No, 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 no. She won't care. That's the thing. But she'll, <laughs> she'll suddenly reveal untold depths. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Hold me like you did by the lake on the boo. You really got to find a new opener. Aaron Geek in the city, Duran. Hello, sir. How hey, are how's you? it going? Hey, by the way, yeah. uh, Richie's typing in the screen. Hey, Rick, I'm talking with Lucasfilms. Who do we want to speak to? Yeah, he was asking me also. Well, I guess that's because of that stuff, the Clone Wars thing. Yeah, I keep telling him to look up anybody under like producing the Clone Wars stuff, and he's like, Well, that's they sent us a press release. Uh, well, he's like, Who? So, Clone Wars. What? Uh, so, so let's back up for a second, uh, just and then we'll uh, get back to Peter. Then we've got uh, George, uh, uh, Jim Rube uh, joining us, and then the top five. It's all very busy. Um, so little to do, so much time. So um, let's talk about the Clone Wars. So this yeah. isn't just a stitched together. Mo- they, they haven't just taken the TV episodes and stitched them together into a movie. This is an original film. No, this is stitched together TV. But it's, so it's previously seen material. Oh no no no! It's not previously seen. It's a it's a CG like you know CG animation series right that, that isn't out yet and they i think they've already completed 30 episodes so this is not the the Genny Tartakovsky thing no but uh, the animation style is similar to Tartakovsky All work right. uh, i don't know if it's going to have the same energy as that animated stuff does yeah. but basically depending on how you look at it either Lucasfilm is very proud of this yeah. or they're worried that they won't get enough momentum just starting on television so we're going to get i believe the first four episodes are one story arc and i'm going to release that to theaters here. You know, I, and last people get excited, don't forget that in Europe, they got the Ewok Adventure as a theatrical release. So, uh, <laughs> Poor bastards. Don't get too excited. Like, one more Luke. I, uh, Plus, I, in hearing the Warner Brothers music and then Lucasfilm, that's going to break my head. Bad Boy has talked about that a little bit, that, that, you know, that the Star Wars films have always been preceded by that uh, 20th Century Fox fanfare. Yeah. And the idea to a whole generation, as, as small as this may seem, the idea of changing the opening music before that Lucasfilm logo comes up and before the opening crawl, yeah. it just, it's going to be a weird cognitive dissonance, I think, for a lot of people. And frankly, here's, here's the bottom line for me, is I can only see that Peter's just shifting uncomfortably and... Thinking about a grocery well, list or something that he has to shop I, for. I just don't care about that's this. my. And thing. I'm a huge I, Star Wars fan. I, I don't care. I have reached the point where I no longer hate uh, what George Lucas is doing. I no longer love what George Lucas is doing. I am just stuck in middle gear with that guy, and I will sort of give a cursory bit of attention to his new project. But I just don't care. I've just yeah. I've stopped emotionally investing I'll, at this. Yeah, point. Yeah, I'll check out the headline. Ain't it cool, Noodles? I'll do the quick yeah. read and like, huh? Okay, and then I'll move on. Uh, what is? Have you seen the thing about that movie, Fanboys? Yeah. And about how the Weinsteins apparently took this movie Fanboys and have, are chopping it all to hell and ruining it. <laughs> are recutting it so they come out looking like good guys? As they often do. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I guess... Just filmmakers never take anything from the Weinsteins. What is what is the movie Fanboys about? What is the gist? I heard it was about some dudes breaking into Skywalker Ranch. That's basically it. I think it's a... It's a 
kind of a rewriting of that that legendary guy that became um he formed that his own company called Band from the Ranch. Uh-huh. And I think it's about how yeah how they broke in and stole some you know some of the images from Lucasfilm and and I guess got fired and people were sued and apparently the the Weinstein saw the finished film uh, and decided that it, 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 it I don't know it, it, it wasn't mainstream enough and so that they they took it away from the director and they gave it to the guy who wrote and directed Little Nicky <laughs> and they, they gave him I, know, I wish I was making that up um, that what I understand of the film is the original cut of the film is. About four, like, geek dudes in 1998 who have a friend who is terminally ill. Right. And the friend wants to see, which prompts a laugh from Peter. That's the best thing right there is Peter Carlin doesn't get a laugh until I say terminally ill. At which One point, less Star Wars nerd on the planet. <laughs> at which point he guffaws. No, it's just the idea. That, go ahead. Terminal I mean, illness like, is hilarious. No, it's not, but it's just like a, it's a cheap crutch, uh, dramatically. The weird thing being is that this is just one ripoff of a 20-minute South Park episode. Yeah, exactly. Where they where, did the exact same they, thing in 20 minutes. Where they it break it, and they, they, they steal Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever, right? To keep yeah, him from to altering it. keep him from it. altering it, yeah. Um, so anyway, but they have this friend who wants to see the Phantom Menace, and they break into to, to Skywalker Ranch to get the print of Phantom Menace so their friend can see it before he dies. Oh. And so, um, so Weinstein apparently saw it and decided that it wasn't mass appeal enough. He fires the director who who had been working. Who <laughs> doesn't film, even work for him? Who was and, like this is like a ten year project. And the other guy, guy who had invested a decade in making the film and who at one point was soliciting donations on a website to try to fund the movie. Whoa. He worked on it for a decade. He turns it in. Harvey says, eh, "No, it's it's crap. You're fired." He fires <laughs> he fires the director and gives it to the guy, the little Nicky guy behind the guy that made Little Nicky, which is like the worst film ever Remember, made. Remember, this is also and gave him two million dollars. Remember, the Weinstein Company is also the ones that thought it was a good idea to add thirty more minutes of talking to Death Proof <laughs> and then release it to the Cannes Film Festival. Well done, Harvey. Yeah. Jesus. All right. Well, How's that company doing? <laughs> God damn. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we are not hearing from Peter Carlin at this point, which might be just as well because Peter we're sort Carlin, of. Peter Carlin, you can hear from him anytime. Jim, right here. What, what do you need? Look, Dick. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep track of like a hundred people. What oh, Peter do to you? <laughs> so Jim That's Roop, fun. we were supposed to be hearing from, but we have. Uh, hey, look, a guy called like Corey not. has a question for Does me. Does he have a Peter Carlin question? I mean, not to. Hi, you're focus. on. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello, Rick and company. Hi. What's up? Uh, not much. Uh, I just had a question for Peter Carlin and you, Rick. This uh, yeah. is relatable. Um, what do you think of that show, Free Radio, on VH1? Have you checked that out yet? You know, I have heard about it, but I haven't watched it. Have you seen it, Peter? Um, I hear it's great. I've never heard of it. What is it? Peter, oh, it, <laughs> Peter just... It, uh... it is hilarious. It's about... I don't like. It kind of seemed real. Is there a is there a station in Los Angeles called K Bomb? Uh, well, let's back up for a second. When you asked about the show Free Radio, Peter's reaction was that of Steve Urkel uh, when he says the phrase, "Did I do that?" That was like Peter's look just now. I haven't seen it either. I have only heard about it. And I guess the gist is, yeah. it is an original VH1 sitcom, okay. sort of uh, a modern day WKRP apparently. And I guess the the the, 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 the gimmick is that a morning Chuck Jack. Uh, either quits or is fired, and is replaced by like, uh, like the, the, there's like a female co-host and a, like a janitor or somebody. I mean, and he's a he's a nitwit intern. Yeah, and like they get they take her, and of course then the show gets the highest ratings it's ever had. Is it good? Is it good? Well, yes, it's fan- it's so great. I should um, check it out. Why aren't they promoting it? I have no idea. It's all you can check it out on, on demand too. A couple of them. They, I mean, they have. It seems real because they get all these big name guests. Uh-huh. And the guy, his name's uh, Kenny something, I don't know, but the guy just knows nothing about any of the guests and just asks them totally irrelevant questions. He plays fast <laughs> and loose with the rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. 
I, well, you're, I'll you're check it out. Thanks, check for it the, out. thanks for the tip. Free radio. No I problem. will check it out if, if you know, perverse self-interest, if nothing else. You just Because they're so, relatively speaking, I mean, there have been, you know, there's a few things that have uh, the radio elements. I, was, I guess there was news radio and phrase. You just want to see if they get radio right, or at least get it close. I am that guy. I am that guy that sits and watches things. That's completely inaccurate. They would never right. do that. I, you know. I mean, the shows like that are the reason why people always come to see your studio and then they sort of sag a little bit and seem depressed because they've all seen Frasier and his, like, huge walnut and marble studio. So <laughs> They get in here, why is it so dark yeah. and smell? Uh, Peter Carlin, so <laughs> yeah. you are watching Lost right now, which oh. means that you and Sarah can bond a little bit about last night's episode of Lost Lord. Uh, while I refill my coffee cup. No, I want to hear Peter Carlin's thoughts on Lost. We already had the geek out session. Oh, did you guys already do? I, well, I, you we know, did a little bit because Brick refuses to watch it, I, so I don't really. have anybody so to talk to, assessment. which really kind of hurts my soul. No, no, no. Here's the thing. I drifted away from it uh, about halfway through season two because I felt they were making it up as they went along. I understand now from people whose opinions I respect, Reed, Sarah, and others, uh, that the show has, you know, that it sort of refound its footing and blah, 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 blah. It's just that i got to catch up on some other crap before I can catch up on law. It's never going back. It is on. <laughs> You're just, that's it. That's it. It's in my Netflix queue. Um, <laughs> it, it, I just it, feel like your life is poorer for it. I, I really, yeah. you know that's, and you know I don't throw that around no, no, no. a lot. I think that you, like, you're missing a big part of your life. See, even when the show is mea- like meandering a little bit, I'm happy to meander with Lost. It dilly dallies, but because, you know it's gonna get somewhere. Oh, he's got the, he's, he's, he, you're rocking the non-dairy creamer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just so everyone knows. You know that's not very slimming. Yeah. Shut up. Hey, so, uh, so no, I, you know what? That show, it can meander as far as it wants to go, as far as I'm concerned, because its grasp on its characters is so profound, and it's that milieu it's created is, to me, just endlessly compelling, and the questions and the ideas that it plays around with, I think, are, are fascinating. So even when they kind of go off on one of their offbeat little tangents, it's like some of them add up to more than others, but I'm happy to go. And then for the last, like, half of last season, and now every part of uh, – moment of this season so far it's just been utterly killer as far as you know i i think just in terms of their grasp on the plot and also how they're this sort of mind-bending way that they're they're, they're they, I mean, telling you about has the there ever been a the tv series the has there ever once in the history of man been a tv series that told stories in like three or four different moments in time simultaneously and somehow it's all kind of made sense. I mean, I, I, I just think, I, I just think, I mean, I don't know that its characters are as deep or as fascinating as, like, in The Sopranos. It's not, it's kind of, it's not, it, it's not character-driven in that sense. I mean, you don't have that sense of, of really wondering about what's going on in Jack's head or Sawyer. Mm-hmm. But thrown together into that plot, it is, by my, for my money, the most compelling and jaw-dropping plot I've ever seen on television. Well, it's so interesting because it can go in in any different direction, like, you know, just talking about Kate's life, like, for an entire episode, and I didn't even realize that the entire hour has gone by, and then, bam, it just hits you at the very end. And there are those completely bizarre, you know, unexpected connections between the characters and their stories that have, you know, their lives have intersected in ways that even they don't understand, and and all that stuff. Now, you as as viewers on that show, uh, now, you know way more than the characters do, right? I mean, you in sort of the omnipotent God viewer Sometimes. mode? Not always, no. No, not no, always. No, usually the things in their past that come to light eventually come to light on the show. All right. Anyway. So it's not so... It's I so mean, I guess in a way you see the future because you see, like, who these people become. Okay. But and, and, here's my, and here's my thing when you say that I'm not going back to Lost. I, I have to at some point, if for no other reason than... Like we did in the opening segment of today's show, we did this uh, just kind of a, this is the first time we've done it. We just sort of on the spur of the moment just said... Because uh, Sarah had seen last night and I hadn't, and she had no one with whom to talk about it. 
And I said, you know what? We'll just open the phones. If you saw a lost, you call up, and you and Sarah can bond about it, and I'll just sort of sit here. Oh, Aaron watches it, too. And I'm was, catching up. And, and oh, there was a okay. whole, you know, immediately, a, you know, dozens of, you know, banks of people calling in who had seen Lost. And I feel like mm-hmm. i got to watch it for no other reason than it's such a huge part of the pop culture right now. I mean, it, I would say that it's probably second only to American Idol in terms of shows that kind of huge sections of the population really kind of structure everything around. A water cooler show? Yeah, exactly. I mean, really, there's only two of those, right? <laughs> there's got to be something. I'm kind of, I don't think, I think that that's become such a cliche, though. I was thinking about that the other day. The water cooler? I caught myself about to use that phrase, and I thought, you know, after the 10 millionth time, yeah. you got to back off and but find another place that people congregate. But there's really nothing else, right? There's American Idol. <laughs> would you and call it a urinal show? There's the, uh, <laughs> there's the a Starbucks, a Starbuckian. Starbuck, yeah. Something. Right. But, you know, but it, you know, as much as I like The Wire, it's like I, I can count on less than one hand the number of people yeah. in this building who watch it. Right. Uh, so I got to watch Lost just because, uh, you know, that's what the people are watching, Peter. Seriously, and I listen to you talk about The Wire, like, for an hour a day every oh, day. Oh, and I'm fully aware that I'm talking to, like, uh, me... It's Peter and like three other guys in the audience. I don't even know what I don't even know if that's on like HBO or if it's on like yeah. network. I oh, have I know. no clue. And it's never. I don't as, even know what it's about. It's as Fat Boy from KUFO pointed out. It is sort of like in a Battlestar Galactica on Sci-Fi. It's the same way. Uh, you know, the people who watch that show love it, but it loses money hand over fist. Which one? The Wire. Battlestar Galactica. Oh, Battlestar. Critics love it. Critics rave about it, and it just it just sucks wind in the ratings constantly. Mm. Uh, it just you know it can't make money to save its life, which is why this season is going to be the last well, one. Because the network told them, they, the network's like, you got one more season, and then we're going to pull the plug. Sci-fi couldn't promote its way out of a paper bag. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and it's not a show where you can jump in no. uh, at any point of the season and kind of know what's going on. The Sci-Fi Channel, they promote like a mother, man. They're always sending Oh, they stuff. promote like crazy, but they yeah. suck at it. Oh, okay. I mean, they just, they haven't marketed that program, I think, in the right in the right way. That's the deal. Uh, let's get a couple of these higher on the Rick Emerson radio program. If you have a, uh, a television uh, question for Peter Carlin, a geek question for Aaron, or... You just want to talk about women showing their breasts in various downscale suburbs. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Hi, hello. Something. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Hi, what's up? Hey, Rick. Hi, this is you. Hi, this is Paul. How are you doing? Hi, what's up? Um, I haven't seen no no ladies with uh, exposing their breasts today, by the way. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> Damn it. Wait, it's about 35 minutes until Tom. Maybe you can uh, check back in with him. I have a question for uh, Peter, if I may. Yo. Uh, Peter, I was... Uh, I'm a big fan of yours, The Oregonian, but I also uh, loved your book. Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, about uh, Brian Wilson. The guy. Brian Wilson, yeah. Catch a Wave. That's the one. Thank well, you. What's funny is I was over on Maui here about a week and a half ago. Yeah. And there was this guy sitting across from me on the beach, and he was reading that book. No way. I've never seen anybody read the book. And is that true? Going, have, you, have you looked for it? Have you wanted to see? Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, what did you say, caller? No, I said, Rick was Rick was well, just interrupting you. Paul, what was your what was your comment? No, I I just saw somebody reading next to it, so we we conversed about it. No way. And I said it was really really good. I enjoyed it. And he, I, I explained that I'm from Portland, Oregon, and and um, he writes for the Oregonian, and I really enjoyed it. And this guy says he's loving the hell out of the book. Wow. And I've never, you know, it's just it's ironic because I it's like the first person I've seen read your book. <laughs> now have now have you you have never seen in public somebody reading that book? No. No, no, no. I've never even, you know, once I was in, uh, I, I've never seen anyone, like, buying it or carting it around or reading it. And, like, occasionally, like, a friend of mine, my old editor in New York, um, sent me an email, and he said, I was just walking through Rockefeller Center, and a guy was carrying your book. And I was just like, wow, that's great. I wish I could see that. And once when I was up in, I was down in Pasadena, and I was at the Barnes & Noble or something, and I'd, you know, you always got to check out where your book is shelved to see how they're doing and everything. And there, I noticed there was like four copies. And I went back like a minute later, and there was like three copies. 
And I got all excited. I thought, someone's going to buy it. So I'm running downstairs. And it's like, and this is like the most egocentric, like, ridiculous thing. And I'm like, look at her hat. I'm like, it was like, you know, I, I felt like. Were you going to go up and introduce 24, I was a sweaty, like, running around, like, trying to figure out where this person was. And then later what I figured out was it was shelved in two different places. And one had four copies and one had three. And was just, <laughs> Nobody was buying the book. No one's buying now, the book. Ha- Let me ask you this. Now, be honest. If you had seen the guy buying the book. Would you have kind of go, eh, I can't help but notice that you're uh, buying Catch a Wave. You know, I wrote that. Oh, you Pop- should totally I probably have. would have done that. Good. Yeah, which, <laughs> that's and fantastic. And he would have punched me. I read, I just read that, uh, I read that book, Starbucked by Taylor Clark. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is really good. It's, really? Fantastic. it's a really, really he's good book. He's a pup, book. too. That kid is, he's like 23 it's or something. It's funny, very even-handed, very I hate informative. That. I hate that about him. Uh, these, uh, the, the, the young bucks are coming up. The old, the old half my age part. Yeah. yeah. I find that unappealing. He, uh, he, he does tell this great story about the guy who invented the Frappuccino, uh, and, you know, it's like the guy who invented the Big Mac who got paid like 200 bucks or something for it. Like Ray Kroc was yeah. like, good, good job. He gets $100. Go away. The guy who invented the Frappuccino, I think he got like, Jesus, they gave him something ridiculous. It was like, here's a set of sterling salt and pepper shakers and yeah. like $50 or whatever. Well, I was, I was signed this, but he, t- but he said that he is gone, that he, he told the most like emasculating story where he was in line at, you know, like at the, the Safeway or 7-Eleven, some, some re- you know, some really hot girl in line in front of him, like buying some Frappuccinos. And he and this is the guy who invented the frappuccino. Yeah. And he tried to pull out the, you know, I invented the frappuccino. And she said, <laughs> no, and it's just like she just didn't believe me. She was just like, whatever. And it's like watching these. He's just like, I've never mentioned it again. <laughs> did he, did he, did he, did he, did he go around signing frappuccinos? No. I, I actually was at. I was doing a story about Starbucks in the mid '90s, and uh, and I spent a day up like at Starbucks Central in Seattle. And so, I, like, I start my morning at Howard Schultz's office. He's French pressing coffee yeah. and the whole bit. And then, but then I had lunch with some other guy at another Starbucks, some other big Starbucks dude. And he's like, we're eating all the stuff and all these different things. They were just introducing food at the time. And he goes, oh, and here's, you want to try this? It's our new drink. It's called a Frappuccino. Yeah. And I'm like, that's pretty good. But the thing is, I drank so much, like, coffee that by the end of the day, I was like, Sitting around like vibrating, angry at everything. Weeping. Yeah, it's like somebody <laughs> described it once as being half, like halfway between uh, between fits of uncontrolled laughter and violence. <laughs> well, you know, and at that Starbucks headquarters, like every hundred yards or something, there's like a thing that dispenses caffeine. Well, no, there's a whole Starbucks bar. Yeah, that, and because they all have to know how to make all the drinks, right. which I think kind of rocks. There's a lot about Starbucks I kind of love. You know what? I don't hate. I mean, I, I will say this: their coffee. I mean, and not just their drink. The, the actual just house coffee. I don't like because I think it's over. I think it's over roasted. But um, but I don't hate the company. I've never been one of those guys that dislikes well, Starbucks cool. reflexively. I, I don't know. There's nothing. I mean, they're a little. They're a tad aggressive. But. Well, you know, as Sarah once said, because Sarah Sarah had worked at Starbucks, and when somebody for three months. Somebody kind of railed on. Somebody called up the show and told me, Starbucks, friends don't let friends drink at Starbucks. That stupid Portland thing. Ah, screw that. And no, and Sarah's response, Sarah gave the best response I've ever had, you know, ever, uh, you know, ever heard. Sarah said, you know, all they ever did for me was pay me fairly and give me full benefits, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, for, for 20, 20, hours, 20 a hours a week, yeah. you get full benefits. Right. So, and all know, the free, well, I guess it wasn't free, but no, all the I, coffee I wanted to drink. There's, there's nothing wrong with How is it not Starbucks. free? Are they charging you for it? Um, no, they wouldn't charge you for it. I think you, you would get, like, like shift drinks. But we'd just, you know, managers wouldn't be there, so we'd just make whatever you know, glorious of concoction course. we wanted to. Uh, do you, remember, do you uh, like, have recipes I'm, committed to memory? Can you still do? Yeah, how, oh, I, how, I think I could still make coffee. I was always really bad at making coffee. I was better at the customer service, like, working at the till, because it would get really behind. Do you had good things. star skills? 
Is that what they're called? Yeah. Because you are a partner. You're <laughs> yes. a Starbucks partner. Yeah. Well, I you know, because the they've automated a lot of that it's stuff It's now. all automated now. They've so. automated it now where you... Oh, we had to pull the shots. That's, I not anymore. My elbows and wrists right. constantly hurt. Yeah. So See, and now you just they... push a combination of buttons and it spits it out because the whole thing is no customer can wait more than a three minutes between so order and... It's supposed and... to be from they walk yeah. in the door, they order their coffee and get their coffee. It's supposed to be so three minutes. So it's largely uh, machines doing it. That's a problem, too. And plus they want it. They have the belief that no matter where you go in the country, you can trust on the Starbucks. Right, they want it to be exactly the same, so they've kind of removed the human element, which, which sort a, of which sucks. Is because it's, it's a mistake. You know, and people sort of make fun of that, like, here's the thing. It's not like I'm a big Starbucks defender, but it, there's there's that thing where people will were sort of... Uh, unfairly malign Starbucks, and it goes so far as to malign the language, like that, well, you know, like barista and venti, which are made-up terms, which are not made-up terms, of course. They're Italian, and so if you're American, something Italian might seem made-up. <laughs> That's a made-up word. You That's know? a bunch of crazy <laughs> talk <laughs> the, there. The idea that it's Italian, therefore it's not a real word. Ain't no word. <laughs> I remember hearing that. I remember some guy telling me that one time. He goes, well, that venti, that's just made up. That's not a... No one really says that. It's like haagen As though there's like a whole country that doesn't say that. Um... Anyway, let's get to this call to a break. We'll come back with Tim Riley, Peter Carlin's Top 5, and we'll talk about uh, the Booyah Awards coming up yeah. from Film Fever Radio. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, how's it going? What's up? I love Lost, and I would love to discuss it, but every time I do, I get confused, and it makes me angry. So I called to ask if you've seen Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, man. What's Breaking Bad? Well, pardon me? Yeah, totally. I'm way, I love that show. Not to Great. interrupt again on my own show, but what is Breaking Bad? It's a show on AMC that stars the guy from Malcolm in the Middle, whose name I'm spacing on at the moment. It's Frank, uh, Cranston. No, no, the dad. <laughs> Brian Cranston. Cranston. Yeah, he plays this, uh, this middle-aged chemistry teacher from high school who figures out that he's got terminal cancer. And so he decides, in order to make some money really quickly for his family, to become a, uh, to start cooking meth. Oh, that's great. It's really, it's really sort of dark and, and a little disturbing and at times hysterically. So it's sort funny. of like a weeds kind of a thing? Except darker, yeah. yes. Darker and a lot angrier. Really? And, Breaking yeah. Bad. That's, is it in its first season? Yeah. Can yeah. I catch up on that? Uh, totally. It's only been on for, I think, four episodes have aired now. Is that right? Yeah, four episodes. Right, right, right. And they're just, I mean, it's just getting into the meat and potatoes. You can totally still get into it. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Breaking Bad. I'll check that out. Yeah. It's, it's super sweet. He uh, does a really good job. Cranston is, is terrific. And he's done that thing that most actors won't do of making himself way less attractive. Oh, traffic's heavy. I got to go. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> it's like he was taking incoming fire. Oh, dear God. <laughs> so much blood. <laughs> I won't come clean. They're coming over the wall. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. Hello. How could that be? That's inside the room. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, Jesus. you boys. All right. Uh, we should you're break here. Them, Peter yeah, you're, yeah, don't exclude <laughs> you. Don't that puts you over there with Sarah. So... Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley has news around the corner. Uh, Peter Carlin's uh, top five McCartney songs. Are on we which... weighing some people, too? Yes. On which Paul McCartney rocks out, and we will be weighing some folks uh, around the around the corner as well. We'll talk about the Booyah Awards, Like Us at 3, Donna Mike at 7. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, sorry. No, the mic wasn't. I hope the mic wasn't on just then. Is it on? Is it on now? It's on, it's on now. Oh, hey, yes. hello. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
Are you and your headphones fighting or something? It's like it's <laughs> like you, you just head butted the microphone. It's like your headphones are red hot or something. You can't wait to get them off of your the head. The microphone went away and now it won't come back. Oh, mm-hmm. here we go. Your microphone. I'm sorry. Your microphone needs to get back in the game, Peter. Yep. 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 Um, yep. All right. Let's talk about Viso. Uh, D r i n k v i s o dot com. Drinkviso dot com is the website made right here in River City, friends. Uh, comes in six fantastic flavors. It's not carbonated. It's not full of crap. It's not full of vile steaming chemicals. It is, in fact, uh, quite wonderful. Uh, you drink it when you're thirsty. It's not going to make you thirsty. Or you're not going to feel sticky like you just had a soda or a bunch of sugar. It doesn't taste like candy. It's really good. It's good for you. It's got vitamins, minerals. Some of it's got caffeine. Some of it doesn't. It's all either sugar-free or organically sweet. And if uh, you don't believe me when I uh, say all this, you can go to the factory and see it made yourself. Go to uh, drinkviso.com. You can find out how to have it sent anywhere in the country. You can Buy yourself some Visa swag. I think they, they don't sell the fridges, though, do they, Aaron? No, the fridges. Uh, you have no, to they, like redeem caps or something for that, or uh, you have to. Sure. <laughs> you just have to be me. No, because you have to be you. Okay. See, I was promised a fridge a long time ago, and it still hasn't happened. Oh, is that true? Fridge. Yeah, awesome. but we sent them a case of caps, and we got it, we actually got a phone call from Viso two days ago saying, "Hi, hey, your fridge is on the way. There's a lot of caps. What did, did you really want a fridge? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you can go to the factory and see how they make this miraculous beverage, my friends. It's really Proud. cool too. I've been there. It's uh, see, I keep meaning to go like a Wonka sort of it's thing. It's like watching how yet. it's made, but in person. Oh, uh, it's it, and it's fantastic. So you can uh, get it at Plaid Pantry, Seven Eleven, Whole Foods, uh, the. Dunaway Deli, Hawthorne Market, many Fred Meyer locations, D-R-I-N-K-V-I-S-O.com. Viso, it is more of everything good. AM 970 here. What's that? You say the Rick Emerson Show has got you confused, puzzled, perplexed, not quite sure what the hell is going on? Then join the Rick Emerson Recap weekdays at 10 a.m. It's a one-hour refresher course on everything you may have missed. And then stick around as the Rick Emerson Show continues until 3 p.m. The Rick Emerson Recap, mornings at 10 a.m., starting Monday, February 25th, only on AM 970. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Just a moment, we will continue our discussion with Peter Carlin of the Oregonian. Also, Aaron Geek in the City Duran. We'll talk about uh, the Buyo uh, Awards coming up this weekend from Film Fever Radio. This, however, is a man who can only be referred to as your new savior. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, somehow gasoline contaminated with water somehow got into gas trucks and made its way to 13 gas stations and at least eight vehicles in Oregon before the public was found and will stop. The fuel came from the common old terminal in northwest Portland. Uh, so far, eight vehicles have had their fuel systems flushed. No idea how many others are out there at the moment. It could be yours. A Japanese man was arrested for trespassing this week after turning up at a high school dressed in a girl's uniform and a long wig. 39-year-old Kinosoro Naife told police he bought the uniform over the Internet and put it on to take a stroll near the school north of Tokyo. When students standing outside the gate started to scream at the sight of him, he dashed inside the school grounds, hoping to blend in with a crowd of teenagers. It didn't work. They screamed, too, forcing the man to run for his life. In the process, he lost his wig, but he was quickly arrested. So the story has a happy ending. It does. That's awesome. Isn't that the extent of our news for now? Yes, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, the greatest man in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and like that, it's gone. 
uh, <laughs> back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through. Uh, like us. All right, uh, Aaron Duran, let's talk yeah. about the uh, Booyah Film Awards coming up this weekend. <laughs> yeah, the Film Fever Radio, our first annual movie awards, which we have foolishly called the Booyah Awards. Yeah. Never agree to a title when you're drunk. No, I don't no, know that why. Is like the worst name. Yeah, ever. it's the worst I know. name. I didn't I, see. I, I'm no, glad it you is. said it. I, no, it is the worst well, name. Well, I said it. Remember when we had Scott in, and I'm just like, oh, are the awards gonna be better than the name? And he got all pissed at me. Yeah, I just. No, I know, and he gets mad at me too. It's a terrible name. But it's like, come on, it's like it's not 2001. Because he used to end every show that way. You're not Jim Cramer. I'm not trying to. Hence why we put the uh, the Tobias pants as the award. Uh huh. That's the, that's the best way I could redeem it. Okay, well, I'm glad you just, just stop saying Booyah and just say, like, Film Fever Radio. I don't know Actually, why you don't call it the me. Film Fever Radio Awards. If you'll notice, I call them the Film Fever Radio Awards. Look, can't you just overrule Scott on these things? Let's just be honest. Uh, usually, yeah, but, you know, once in a while, you got to, like... you got to throw him a bone? Yeah. All right. Well, as long as this is the only year you do that, you yeah. got to just drop it for next year. It'll be the, next year will be the second annual Film Fever movie, Radio Movie Awards. This is sort of like how, you know, that the, it was called the Seinfeld Chronicles or whatever for yeah, a couple of years. You yeah, move on help us. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's... All right. right. Anyway, it is uh, tomorrow at 8 p.m. at Sam's Billiards in Northeast Portland, which is basically right across the street from the Hollywood Theater. Yes. Um, Sam's what time does it start? Place. 8 p.m. 8 p.m.? Yeah, it's going to be in the upstairs area of Sam's Billiards because um, that's got the nice big open area. We had, we've right. had some birthday parties out there before, so it can hold a lot of people. Um, and it's the, quote, smoke-free section of Sam's Billiards. Uh, so, but you can go downstairs and suck it up all you want. And is it true that Machete is leading all the other trailers 25 to 1 in the best trailer category? Yeah, we, have, yeah we have the best trailers category. And uh, we threw in Machete just because it was genius. And, yeah, it's blowing everything else away like 25 to machete. 1. Machete. Like once in a while, like, I want to vote for 300. And yeah. you can, like, one <laughs> drop in the bucket. It's like, machete. Excellent. All right, uh, Sarah, do we have time to do this top five? Oh, sure. All right. I'm gonna, do you have these committed to memory? No. But there's only five of them, so how many could there? How many? You'll be able It'll to take me them. a second to figure out what right. they are. So these are the uh, these are the top five quote rocking Paul McCartney solo yeah, you're songs. You're so you were so are dubious about this whole process. I, I never said that. Did I say I was dubious? No, it's all in your voice mm-hmm. though. Be more complicated. All right, so this is yeah, now this is thing. because of the book that you are working on about yeah. Sir Paul. That's right. All right. What do you think of that? Uh, what do you think of that business with? Uh, did, did you finally just go to arbitration where a judge is going to put him and Heather Mills in a room and just tell him to shut up? I think it's gonna. I think they got to fight for it. Jesus, man! Can they just throw her leg in a room and tell him to go out of Thunderdome style? I mean, style? really? Who, who? Two out of three falls. Who doesn't? Who doesn't take forty million and walk? Peter Carlin. I mean, well, no. Heather Mills doesn't. There are five yeah. songs. There are. Okay, so the first track is that number five or number one? What? <laughs> are in these order? in reverse the first order? Track, they're, they're in no particular order. They're uh, in the no order that I dug them out in. So oh. it's a top five in no particular order. Five, All right. Four, okay. Three, six. Two, four. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is Friday, you know. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting is the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. This kind of sounds like the Godfather wedding waltz. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for a top five featuring Peter Carlin's. These are the these the, the top five in no particular order. A song featuring Peter picking things this week. What with the him on the Simpsons show? Oh, that's right. Oh, oh that's yeah. Right. You know why was I asked to register a uh, something for that? I don't know. You got to talk to Chloe. Howden. I got to know people. Yeah. I don't know. You got to talk to not Daria. These are your uh, these are these are your top five. Um, these are your top. These five. are my top five. Paul McCartney after the Beatles songs that I which think are uh, that I think are yeah that are pretty rocking. Is Spies like, like Us on this list? <laughs> no. Come on. No spies like us. All right. Sorry. Okay. All right. Oh, I got them just I guess unexpectedly. He doesn't know what they are. So the unexpectedly. No, I think the first one is Spin It On. Yeah, here you go. See, so check this out. 
This is from Back to the Egg, which is an album that everybody thinks sucks, and it kind of does, except that... When did it come out? 79. All right. It's got a great guitar solo, which we probably won't get to. I kind of like this. It's not bad. Very fun. You know, I will say this about Paul. I would never ever take uh, take away from Paul what he, you know, the, the things about him that I like. Yeah. He does have one of the all-time great rock screams. He does. Maybe maybe the best scream in rock. You know. Yeah. And not and not just a scream like a sort of won't get fooled again scream, but also where he sort of screams the words. Yeah, 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 totally. You know? He's got his voice is like an air raid siren. It's yeah. Nice. Now he has a great rasp. Yeah, he does. And he's we're gonna hear a little more of it as we move along here. Boy, almost like a Zeppelin kind of thing going on here. This is not bad at all. See, see, see. Opening my eyes to some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll move on to uh, the next one. The, the, I think it song... might be uh, High, High, High. All right, this is uh, song this. number two on the top five. Yeah. This is a great song. This is his uh, his 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 unabashed tribute to sex and drugs and and bootleg records. What, what what's not to love? You know this song? I don't. You don't know this song? I know very little solo Paul McCartney. I like it already. What does this sound like? This sounds like something. Not in terms of melody, but in terms of the, the sound of it. T Rex. Maybe. Something there. Okay, here's the thing. If you played this for me, like in a blind, t- like in a taste test, I would never know it was Paul McCartney. Really? It doesn't. Doesn't sound like him at all. It doesn't sound at all like Paul McCartney. Not to my ears, anyway. We're gonna get high, 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 with the music on. Ah, it sounds like somebody, and I can't quite put my brain around it. Let me just say that when you hear a song like this, though, you really do realize what a huge imprint the Beatles made upon Cheap Trick. Oh. Because Cheap Trick has those moments that are just like cut whole cloth out of the Beatles, you know? Yeah. I dig that. It's a cool song. Yeah. Well done. All right. All right, next. Uh, We'll move on to song the third. These are the top five post-Beatles songs in which Paul McCartney rocks out in the estimation of Peter Carlin. This is a Little Richard song on Run, Devil, Run. Run, Devil, Run's a great record. Yeah. Run, Devil, Run had uh, No Other Baby. Right. Which is one of the best songs. Uh, it, I remember, and I'm sorry that we're not talking about this song here, but I remember being in my car listening to, I think it was actually Kink, uh, sitting in my car listening to Kink, and they were doing some whatever, and I was flipping around the dial, I guess, and I must have landed up maybe halfway through the song. Landing... Uh, on the guitar solo, which is David Gilmore. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, who is this? Yeah. And then he came out of that, you know, well, you know, and he went right into the verse. And, the, and I remember thinking, what? It was amazing. Just listen to him sing, though. Because this is 1998. He's like nearly 60. And it's like a night at the Kaiser Keller. Totally. And this is the one he did right after Linda died, right? Yeah. It's his whole morning Linda record. Right. Were these all covers? Most of them. They're three yeah. originals. But this record blew my mind. Because he's, you know, he makes a lot of terrible records, right? But yeah. this was not one of them. 
Mm. That's really good. Okay, that's really good. I gotta go back and listen to that record. It's been a long Great time record. since I've listened to anything but that it's a beautiful single. record. All right, all right. This is uh, song the fourth. On, uh, this may be the one with Elvis. All right, Peter Carlin's list of the uh, top five post-Beatles songs, which Paul McCartney Sorry, this uh, CD player rocks out. Yeah, this is the uh, this is his duet with Elvis Costello on from Flowers in the Dirt. Flowers in the Dirt. They do this whole. Is it true that Paul McCartney was originally on Veronica and Elvis mixed him out? I've always heard that. Well, they kind of had a parting of the ways. I heard that Elvis Costello mixed him out of of the final mix of Veronica, and that's why McCartney was so pissed. Well, no, I think Paul... Elvis was supposed to co-produce this record and kind of be a... He wanted to make a really raw rock and roll album out of the tunes they wrote, and Paul kind of backed off at some point. My intentions are... <laughs> Pardon me. Speaking of the Kaiser Killer, uh, you seen that movie Backbeat? Yeah. Boy, what a great film that is. I really watched that cool movie again just the other day. Uh, one of yeah. the it's just a fantastic movie about that really I think captures being in a band. Well, you know, I was talking to all these dudes when I was in England. I was talking to all these guys that used to be in the Quarry Men. <laughs> these old, these really neat old Liverpudlian guys. Right. They're all very sweet, and they're just these dudes that were like grew up down the street from John Lennon. So cool. Yeah. All right, this is, uh, we'll move on to number one. Do you know what this is? Uh, we're about to figure it out. Right, this is the number one, uh, well, the, the, the oh, final song, anyway. Post-Beatles songs in which Paul McCartney uh, rocks out in the estimation of Peter Carlin. Oh, this is off of Ram, Too Many People. This is a... Uh, oh, I know this song. You know the song? Yeah, yeah it's, this is one of the older ones. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's one of his sort of poison pen letters to when he was fighting with John. <laughs> but it's got some cool moments in it, and he sings really well. It's weird. I was actually just thinking about the Beatles last night for some reason. And I was thinking about how weird it is that... I mean, it sounds like such a dumb stone college thing to say. But how weird it is that they were here and now they're leaving us. You know, that we that we had uh, you know yeah. John and then George and, you know, and sadly at some point Ringo will die and Paul McCartney will die. And how sad it is that, that, that we can be walking around the earth at the same time as yeah. the Beatles. Yeah. You know, it's just a weird thing. Well, you know... Uh... Well, the interesting thing is, is hanging, or I've been talking to these people who just knew them. They're just their right. buddies. So weird. And it's just like, oh, yeah. Well, they, you know, and this one guy was telling me, uh, it's like, well, you know, he's just a fella. Right. <laughs> just a guy. Well, you know, Dave Marsh had wrote this great essay uh, after Lennon uh, died where yeah. he, he talked about some of the, those concerts he did in New York City and how weird it was toward the end of John's life. He was doing these shows where... You could just walk up to a window for ten bucks and see John Lennon sing songs for you, what? and he and he noted, what are you, you know, talking about? well, he was talking that you know they did that uh, one of the ones that they taped for live in New York City. One that was those... like in 1973, right, or whatever. But you know, but those shows yeah. didn't even sell out. That was the big thing about it. You know, they had to give away tickets for one of those shows at one point because it didn't sell out. Oh, that was the the benefit. And he was talking about how weird it is that there was a place where you could just walk up and pay ten bucks and see John what? Lennon. Anyway, we got a break. Back after oh. this with uh, Peter Carlin, Aaron Duran. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> Why, hello. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson program. Uh, well, we didn't have time to weigh Peter Carlin, sadly. Aww. You'll have to come back. 
I'll go on a diet. We didn't have time to weigh Aaron Duran. I did check my BMI before I came down here. You know, somebody told me that's bogus, though, that that number mm-hmm. is... Uh, you have to get... It doesn't mean anything, and also they've adjusted it for America because we're big fat asses. What is, well, what is a BMI? It's a body mass index. It is oh. a, a it universal make... standard of, of general body fitness. Got it. If you don't go to a, a doctor get an actual you know physical, just by going on a scale or imprinting some numbers, you're not going to get an accurate number. That's okay. It allowed me to make a donut jokes in front of Sarah Wagner, so that's really all I care <laughs> about. However, using that inefficient that so system... That surprising. <laughs> Sarah Wagner. Sir, she works up. She's a very, a very, very, like, a very attractive, like, lean girl. A very beautiful young lady. She stepped on the scale, and the, our rule is that you can, because everybody's like, I want to use that scale. And our rule is you can use the scale, uh, but we get to reveal on the air what category Got your it. body fat is in. Right. And it's, she was like, she was a. Uh, not very high, but high. On the high end of high, actually. Well, maybe the machine is malfunctioning. <laughs> that's what I would say. Is that how you we sleep thought. at night? That I would hurl it through the window. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the lie I tell myself so I can fall asleep. So. In the machine! Uh, in any event. Uh, Aaron Durant, what's up at Film Fever Radio? Film Fever Radio, we just have last week's episode because we're so busy planning the Film Fever Radio Movie Awards that there won't be a new show up tonight, but we are probably going to be recording the award show tomorrow. So look sometime in the next week for some, some live audio from, from the award show. 8 p.m. tomorrow upstairs at Sam's Billboard. Yep, we got a whole... Billboards. <laughs> Sam's Billboards. Sam's Billboards. In the Hollywood District, 8 Billboards. p.m. tomorrow, yeah. Peter Carlin, lots of excitement coming up at the Oregonian. Yeah, I got a big story tomorrow about, uh, well, forget it. And uh, then, of course, we got the Oscars on Saturday night, man, so I'll be rocking that and uh, writing for Monday. Fantastic. Uh, Peter Carlin, read him in print in the Oregonian or online at OregonLive.com. Fear him always! <laughs> uh, all right, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Mark Shearer, uh, and uh, James Roop, who I guess got sidetracked today. We want to thank Aaron Duran from FilmPeopleRadio.com, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian, uh, and uh, uh, we want to thank um, Don Horn uh, from TriangleProductions.org at TriPro.org. Rick, uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers. Dave Zinn, the webmistress is Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. As uh, always, my friends, thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. I'm huge. I regret nothing. See you Monday. Have a good weekend. Bye.